as you may or may not know, you know, it was a very big wrestling day yesterday, the day of the anniversary show. Oh, it was massive. It's like and what like almost eight hours of wrestling, nearly nine hours of wrestling. Yeah, a lot of people watching a lot of wrestling on the one day. Um and I was really I was really fascinated by something. I think it you know, I've been I've been struggling with this for a little while and I've been trying to find out the right way to frame it of exactly what I've been thinking about in terms of because this and it, it'll come up when we talk about hopefully Dave brings up um and if he doesn't I'll bring it up um the Sonata Tai Chi stuff. Um because this this tour has this New Japan Cup tour is starting to introduce that into Canon. So it's becoming a more um concerted effort to tell that story from a commentary perspective and um it's become a a, a more overt articulation of the story. But it's like we've been tracking that story for I don't know, eight months at this point. How long have we been tracking it? Like it's been a long yeah. run of something is up. Um, and what I was thinking about it was I was trying to figure out why and it, it's a twofold part, it's a twofold part, because the I watched the AEW show um on the weekend and I thought it was a really good, really good night of pro wrestling. I just thought it was tremendous. There's like like great um you know, two or three elite level pro wrestling matches. Um and I was like AEW always tends to have really good pay-per-view shows, right? That's the match quality that's always good. Um I think it was like a show of the year level show because they finally figured out their pacing. They finally paced an event right because they had the one hour match at the end. They had to have less matches on the show. And yeah. it sort of led to a, a feeling that it was a, a more coherent product and everything got a bit more time to breathe. So hopefully they've lucked into that and they've sort of figured that out. Um, but what I was thinking about was like, um, and also on the weekend I watched the PWA um, Summer of Fudge show. I watched um, that too. It was fun. Yeah. Um, well, until the ending. I mean, it was great. I watched it. it was, you know, this this podcast is inadvertently brought to you by Wayward Brewing Company, who I won. Thank you for for that. It's you know, we're not sponsored by them, but we could be. You know, feel free to jump on board, Wayward you Brewing. Anything, and you finally won something. Yep, that's right. Yeah. Um, because you know that's for supporting PWA, and just you know, I jumped on. Was I was getting the fight show which i've committed to do this year is getting all, all the pwa shows um and there was some bullet club stuff on there as well um my luck is changing but what i was thinking of is like they sort of and their next show is in like two months or whatever um when they do the rumble show and i was just thinking about this what these things were happening at the same time and about sort of storytelling and the types of things i like and the way the reason i like them i was like man AW pay-per-views, they just did pay-per-views. They would be one of the greatest companies of all time because they would just continually have the time to build these things and build these stories. And it, it sort of struck me, sort of dawned on me because this pay-per-view in particular was uh, is not going to do a great buy rate. It's going to have a buy rate commensurate with maybe two or three years ago. Um, you know, 120,000, I think that's what they're predicting somewhere around that rate. So the build wasn't the best. And that happens. You know, build for certain things isn't the best. And I was like... You just know they're going to be good shows, but the investment or the consequence or the feeling of relationship to a story isn't quite there. I was like, I kind of think that that's just the product of like the contrivance of television wrestling, of episodic weekly wrestling. I just don't think it's conducive ultimately to stories that allow 
like you can pick up, put down, revisit, come back. Like you have to, you're controlled by the episodic nature of weekly TV that you have to keep. Like this MJF um, Danielson thing had to extend through, they had to keep it in people's minds. Follow the story next week. Tune in next week to follow the story. When the story itself can organically build over time, if it was not on television, you would still have you would still get the same result that you ultimately get to, where in the ring the guys can tell the story between the ropes and they can get to that point without the same level of um, you know weekly engagement. And I was like, and that started me getting me thinking again about like the nature of contemporary content creation, about how we're really quick to be like, that's the greatest thing we've ever seen, or that's shit, or this is that, or whatever. And it feels like we have to be ratings discourse each week. We're talking about like this show. What? How do we think this show went? How? What was good on this show? And everything like that. And it feels like they're contained. I'm starting to think like weekly television, episodic television, has this feeling of containment. It's a contrivance. It's contrived. Each week is setting up and tune in next week for when we will follow this story on, which is not how human beings interact. Like they'll continue to tell the story as they do. Like if we did it in old-fashioned ways with uh, boxing or something or fights. Uh, it would be three months away and we build that and some some weeks we turn up and promote and some weeks we wouldn't some weeks you wouldn't see it some weeks we would some and it's just there isn't a contrived structure to the narrative flow so it's episodic television in that sense and i was like it's so much easier to judge or or, or like assess where things are when they are contained within the body of a program like two hours and you can judge a program oh that was good tv this was that whatever but New Japan can't operate like that because of the touring structure it works. You, you don't ever feel like you're ever able to truly assess where someone is or where a story is because it doesn't ever feel like it's contained. It doesn't feel like we're at the end of it. It always feels like a chapter in something. <laughs> it's where it's heading. And there isn't this contrivance of after three months, the story will be over and we'll be on to the next thing and we'll contain it as a little example of what we were in that chapter and we'll move forward. It doesn't feel like that. Yeah, and then we like we may or may not revisit it down the track depending on where everyone's at, you know. Yeah. It may be for that one night. It may be for something, but it will inform the character of the, the, the person. I was just thinking that's for so long I've been struggling with the idea of trying to distinguish between the types of things I like versus the type of things I don't like. Like it's AW is elite level pro wrestling. You can turn it on and it's pro wrestling. I understand the form, I understand the the format, you know, I get that. I don't like weekly format the weekly episodic format because i feel like it makes the stories feel like they have to exist like they have like they're required the stories are required in the function of the television program if you know what i'm saying yeah whereas like a sonata and tai chi story doesn't isn't required (laughs) like they don't they're they're competing in new japan cup for the opportunity to fight for a title and that's how people always reduce new japan to just being titles based and that's true but that framework allows for stories to happen organically that don't actually have to be, they don't have to have a timeline on them. And this one has certainly not had a timeline on it. And it means that we can fantasy book or conspiracy book all we want because we're seeing little threads and they're not presented to you in a way that, um, in a way that is like, I would say even readily accessible. <laughs> like in many cases, they're, they're sort of, they're coded though. Like they might not be in order, but they're coded. You know, there's, there's elements of them that that, that that you can see that were related, but you're not exactly sure how they fit. Whereas for a television program, you have to make them coherent. They have to be clear because you have to convince the person to be able to check in next week to pick up where they left off. Hmm. 
And it's just a format of pro wrestling that I think, for me, doesn't provide the level of depth that I'm looking for. That doesn't mean it's not deep. It just means that there's a there's a sheen over the top of it that is functionally required. And I think Tony Khan, in a lot of respects, like when he books this Ring of Honor stuff, I think you're going to see how he would book a show without the constraints of television. Like he'd just book a old-fashioned Ring of Honor, you know, TV wrestling style, like squash match stuff built into big shows and just allowing little, you know, interactions to go through. Hopefully multi-mans, you know, that's kind of the old Ring of Honor approach. And that would be interesting to see how different that is compared to what TV does. Because I feel like TV and the need to check in weekly and follow story and have and not be able to watch the slow progression. Um, it's a different style, and people can like that style. And I've got nothing against it. Um, it's just not. I've just fully embraced the idea that I can't. I just can't follow along. It just doesn't. It just doesn't interest me to follow along in that format. But I can certainly check in and follow along by Twitter, and then be like, "Oh, check into the show and see the the combination of that." For me, like weekly wrestling kind of feels like 90 sitcoms mm. like they would run do a run for you know most of the year you get an episode a week and you know they would rate really highly back then because that's how people consume fucking tv right mm. that was that was what was done and you know it was you'd have multiple different fucking sitcoms on and you know friends might be popular one week Seinfeld might be popular the next week I feel like that's what weekly tele weekly wrestling is now but it's fucking now we're in the age of Netflix and you know uh deep strong seasonal television series that may go from six to you know 12 episodes and then you're kind of waiting for the conclusion mm. of next year like i don't i feel like the format of professional wrestling in the west this weekly episodic thing it's like stuck in a decade of like that that pattern that behavioral watching mm. it's, it's changed people mm. have changed how they view shit and so you're trying to get people into watch fucking week to week and that's not how people consume stuff anymore mm. and that's what i i see the similarities with new japan to like say netflix or whatever is that because they do that touring structure you get this is like new new japan cup season mm -hmm. the next new japan cup season is next year mm -hmm. but then you'll have fucking best of the super juniors so it's like you're getting like different seasons throughout the year. Of course, there's you know similar characters and all that sort of run through the whole year. Yeah, for sure. But different people get featured at different times, and mm. I prefer that. Everyone mm. gets their fucking shine through the year because you got a deep roster, and it's, I think that's part of the difficulties as well. Like if you're a big fan of like say uh, you know a lower mid card guy, you know, there's no guarantee that they're going to be on your TV screen next week when you tune in. That was what I was trying to get at. Like I watched the show and I enjoyed the hell of it. I was like, this is great, but it wasn't a situation where I I was like, I was like, you know, I was definitely invested in the sort of the New Japan adjacent matches. Like the I'm always interested in the guys that are potentially New Japan guys that I could see wrestling in those contexts. So I wanted to check them out. And obviously um, I'm interested in, in, you know, just good wrestling, I guess. But as I said, I was like, that's a great show. 
Now, I wonder what the model would look like if they went for a three-month run or a two-month run with a particular approach and then they did a big show. You know, I don't know what the world looks like, but it's like, you're right. I think it's like it's the last bastion of television and it's like they're seen as sport, you know, but they're a sport that runs every day, every week of the year. But it's, I think it's it's not like that anymore. I think the consumption's so different and people, the way that people consume, as you said, consume media. It's not that people pick and choose matches per se. It's that they can invest in a particular type of thing for a particular length of time. And like I said, like the Tai Chi Sonata thing was first evident, you know, first, I mean, became really prominent during a TV title tournament, then goes away, then picks up again in a tag tournament, you know, then goes away and now resurfaces really strongly in a New Japan Cup tournament. So you're in these spaces where the 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 narrative threads across the year that you can pick up or put down. You don't have to be following to invest in it. And then, and when it's time to go, they'll make sure that the story is told and it's clear and people can 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 connect up to it. But it just feels like I'm kind of enjoy the idea of that. There's ten stories being told, and maybe three of them are going to get used. You know, I like that idea of whereas any story that's introduced on a television show i mean that's it, my like that was my drafting strategy right yeah and that's my thinking <laughs> like, I'm too. Not, yeah i've got no points it's kind of why i called my team you know risky business yeah. no points story over winning yeah but you you you're going for that home run story you're looking for that key thing to follow and as i said but in and I found that if you're watching sort of weekly episodic television concept, any story introduced will be followed up, and that's that's good. If you that's that's a good thing, I, I think. But to some extent, to me, it's almost like it just means that it just feels like things are happening at a pace dictated by a a structure, a format, and not the organic product of a form. You know? well, yeah. I, mean, I, can, I can tell you right now that about probably, let's say, two months ago, I decided to leave social media. I still have my my pages there, but I haven't actually used the apps at all. And that's how I followed a lot of American wrestling was through that. So when I watched AEW Revolution, I had no idea of the storylines whatsoever because I'm not participating with social media. I don't have Instagram. I don't have Facebook and all that kind of stuff. And so I, I had no idea what the storylines were whatsoever. Like I don't watch the show weekly. Mm-hmm. I do watch I do watch New Japan, and that's you guys are 100 percent correct. We do have different seasons, almost a bit like you know, to like an anime in a way that you know, Dragon Ball Z had these tournaments as well, and they would come through every single season at one point. You'd be introduced to different characters and you know, villains and all that kind of stuff. So we have like right now the New Japan Cup the tag league, the G1. So we know we're about to have these brand new seasons within New Japan. It's that thing, like you're talking about contrivance and, you know, you have some story might come organically that you don't you don't sort of see or there might be a reaction and then, you know, you've got to take something that could organically grow and you've got to turn it into a contrivance to try and catch fire with it. Yeah. In order to, you know, because you're beholden to fucking ratings. Yep. So everything feels, I don't know, for me, and this is why I don't watch it either, everything for me feels forced. Mm-hmm. And 
I like marinating on ideas and, you know, you, it feels like you're following a, f- a fucking, you know, like a DVDs when you get, you know, Easter eggs in movies. Yeah. And that sort of like when you're watching New Japan, it's like, oh, am I seeing what I think I'm seeing? And then it might be fucking eight months down the track and you're like, fucking yes, I fucking see. I knew there was something going on there, you know, like that, that nod that I saw eight months ago, that meant something, you know. You know, shout out to Super J Cast and Joel's been losing it with his conspiracy. You know, with his fantasy booking, I'm sorry, he uses the fantasy booking. You know, I'm sure he's not looking over our feed or listening to our show at all. I'm sure that's not what's happening. He's starting to be, he's starting to be very predictive about these things. <laughs> he said, New Japan is a psyop, you know, that ultimately is like, it's forcing us to, um, you know, book things in our minds that are never going to, it's, it's never going to change it. We're constantly seeing things because, they're always placing, like you said, there's little hints and little little moments that are, they may pick them up, and they or they may not. But the wrestlers are sort of given the agency to sort of tell stories they want to tell, and they'll plant seeds or they'll add things that could potentially lead that way. Um, but it's whether or not they pick it up or and or, or they don't. Um, and as I said, I think what I was getting at though was I was sort of saying like. If if AEW was just allowed to do what it did on a pay per view, like the allowed to tell the stories that way, um, it would be that like when it's pay per view and when there's no TV breaks, when there's no that there's not they don't have to worry about all that stuff. It's like my god, this is an, a a very this is great stuff, and they can do the way they want to do it, and they can allow Mox and Hangman to tell the story the way they want to tell it, and they can allow Danielson to fucking go sixty five minutes, you know, and that's. That it feels like, oh, what's possible? And then we return to the grind of the weekly stuff. And I understand that people might like they like the the, the continuity of that, and they like the security of that, and the for checking with your favorite characters and following them along. I get that, but yeah. all I can say is, once I left that, I just can't see myself going back to it because it doesn't feel as consequential as even though it should feel consequential because it's a weekly thing and each thing has a clear impact, it just doesn't feel the same. So yeah, I'm, well, I'm sort of saying, like I'm saying, I, when we talk about this stuff, it's not that we're critiquing. I'm not critiquing. I think they they are trying their best to work around to bridge philosoph- like philosophies of how pro wrestling can be done in a modern format, but they are still beholden to what I think is a very restrictive and to some extent I think perhaps outdated model of, of digital consumption, you know? Yeah, you know, different strokes for different folks, but people like different things. And, you know, back in the day, you know, when there was that episodic shit, you know, like give me Twin Peaks over that stuff any fucking day, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that's kind of what I've I've kind of come to is like it, I wasn't, I was, I've been struggling for a while with it until it was this contrast of I saw all the criticism and I saw people trying to critique like people just trying to shit on the AW pay view and I was like, Okay, for, you know, do whatever you want, but I was like, it's it's a great show, and the build up to it has no impact on whether it's a great show in isolation. If that makes yeah, sense, like yeah, it's a it's yeah. a good show. Same as Forbidden Door, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. They can be great shows in isolation. It's just I think that Forbidden Door brought it out because it was like trying to fit a form of pro wrestling into a format of pro wrestling that the two are not conducive and they're not related and they're not connected and they don't fit right. And I feel like a lot of what AEW's influences are are from that previous form, you know? So it is a challenge. It's always a challenge to get to US TV wrestling. 
had no real interest or investment in watching and I haven't watched, mm. but, you know, all reports. I mean, I like I like Danielson and I like MJF and I like Hangman and I like Mox and I'll go and watch those matches. It's, at this point, we have to accept that AEW pay-per-views have got a standard that people expect in terms of the matches. So if you never match quality is never going to be a concern. That if you give those guys the talented guys a space to do their matches, it's always going to be great. Mm. What I've always liked about New Japan is primarily is that every platform they provide is the space to tell your story the way you want to. It's just yeah. every single every single example is that. That's all I've ever been uh, sort of, and that's because it doesn't have to adhere to the form. It's not because they're better. It's because they're not constrained by the format. That's and I, I was like, that's it. And it's I, for me, that's the most like the most generous and nicest way of saying that I prefer this over that because of that reason. Not because I'm an AEW hater. I don't, I want them to fail. Not of that at all. They're a fucking New Japan partner. I hope they do great, you know, and they provide a great platform for when the boys come over. But it's more that. I just think the I just think that it's becoming readily apparent that yeah, as you said, Dave, the, the the consumption of wrestling. Once you change your consuming habits, it's like once you get used to binge watching a series, it's very hard to wait week to week. Once you get out of the weekly engagement with pro wrestling, it's very hard to and, get and back. And not to mention too, like you think about like in terms of New Japan, like how many like you know fingers in the cookie jar or the honeypot uh, <laughs> regarding you know strong tamashi like. You know, with what everything's going on right now, it is really exciting. The future and the possibility of what we're about to see is really, really exciting. Well, I think uh, just on a point on that, uh, just people out there that are interested, the Tamashi shows from Melbourne, Sydney, that yeah, the most right. recent ones are up on New Japan World, which is good. You can go check those out. You may see um, Dave and myself randomly every now and again. The, the family watched them just before we started the show. And my favorite thing was just watching Dave on the phone. That was the, the whole, whole thing time. that I saw that I was watching the entire time was Dave on the phone. Yeah. Um, trying to get yeah. the perfect capture of like the, the footage, trying to get the perfect footage that I knew wasn't there. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we were most notable when Robbie Gammon gave us the big high five, you know, I stayed there for a little bit. That that was the only time we got real close ups to us. Lewis, on the other hand, got the sh- on camera the whole show. Congratulations, Lewis. Um, in any case, um, so you can see him laughing to my amazing retorts. You know, you can just see him just, ah, yes, great stuff. Um, but check that out. Um, you always need a Lewis beside you laughing. Yeah, that's the key. I, I, if I can't bring one, I, I just adopt one whilst there. Um, but uh, so I think I think Strong has changed. I think Strong is a different thing entirely now. I think it's going to be big, big US-based shows. Um, whereas uh, Tamashi is going to become the new strong, I think, and that's that's really encouraging for the Australian scene. Um, and I did, I do encourage people to check out the backstage comments from those shows as well, because I think that uh, Robbie Eagles was great in the Sydney one. Pro- uh, Promo Bob is now a thing. He was great at the Sydney show. He's bringing some fucking fire, um, talking about how much the Tamashi brand means to him and how much he wants to carry that and how you know it's a key part of you know representing and defending australia and then the next night the after the uh, you know i saw kyle fletcher who's normally a really he's a he's a solid promo you know he's a he's developing he's a young guy but he kind of just let the guard down and just talked about how much it meant to him to have that match and it yeah. was kind of it was he was kind of choking up a little bit it was kind of lovely you know 
and sort of and how much Tamashi means to him and how much this whole thing means to say like can, he's like can you believe that he's like if I was 14 years old and this said I could never imagine this would be a thing that would be possible and Robbie Eagle saying about Tamashi it's about someone's investing in us the same as Fletcher said someone's investing in us someone's recognizing us and that's a really good thing uh, also Jessica Troy proclaimed she wants to take some arms in, in stardom so I was like yes let's go um so yeah, really, I do encourage people to check those out because they're 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 fun, you know, fairly easy, consumable shows, and they're just good wrestling. We're showcasing some of the best in the Australian scene, um, who are I think fighting really hard to one represent Australia, but also to get to New Japan. So mm-hmm. it's worth a it's worth your time, and I do think the um, the Eagles Fletcher match is well worth your time, as is the uh, Caveman Ugg and Aaron Hanare match. It is a good time to be a fan, especially if you're in Australia in your New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast. Mm. So it's great for us. Just when you thought we were done, it's time for fun! And just like my beautiful brand new rugby league team, the Dolphins, we are about to chat about a New Japan Finn leg. And that's right, it's going to be easy, as the win the Dolphins have. That's right, Rugby League has a brand new team, and it is the Dolphins. And they are from Redcliffe, and they are my new team. <laughs> so come and join us on this special, magical journey of me following football. Meanwhile, over in Japan, there is a thing called the New Japan Cup, and they have named it because we have one bit of merch, which is a WeWork stiff cup. My name is the Ravishing Red Rude, the Dracula of vernacular, the Hercules of memes. I don't actually send memes. I don't do anything. I don't have social media anymore. As always, I am joined over yonder by the head, head, never slid up. The Germapones, Mumble Bob, the Tugum Warpin himself. Redly, hi everyone. And as always, I am joined over yonder he is the great mood behind the computer. He is the one making the show financially, editing-wise, romantically. He doesn't like people, but he likes to talk about people. <laughs> His name is Dr. Julius George Crichton. Thank you. Hello. Yeah, that's a tremendous mischaracterization of myself there. <laughs> um, yes, so as Red mentioned, um, I think that this is a New Japan Cup episode. I think that was in there somewhere, pretty sure. I hope so. In any case, we had a draft episode last week. Um, so if you haven't heard that, I think it's well worth your time to jump on and listen to who we have drafted in our teams to follow across the cup. And as we will do in most tournament formats, we will be following via our teams. Pretty basic setup. I would say stop what you're doing right now. If you haven't heard that episode, stop what you're doing right now. Hmm. Pull the car over. Go and listen to the draft episode because that's when we truly shine. It's an easy way to follow the, the tournaments. It just allows us to be able to pick and choose who's impressed us, um, who's disappointed us, and, and sort of talk about those things um, across across the, the tournament. So it just allows us to be able to identify and narrow. It's the first time we've done it for the New Japan Cup, which in itself will inherently narrow as it goes along. So we'll see how that works. Um, but for the purposes of this show, yeah, we have a, a pretty basic format. It's pretty easy to follow along. And it just allows us to, rather than sort of go match by match across the entire thing, although to be fair, if only four matches existing in the cup thus, thus far, this will pretty much be focusing very much on those areas. 
as we move throughout the tournament, I feel like we'll be able to follow our guys and our stories in a bit more detail because of the team format. So this is the first episode in our series relating to the Cup, uh, the stiff madness period of the year. And, uh, yeah, I'm very interested to talk about it because I feel like it has been a very consequential first two nights of the New Japan Cup. A lot has happened. A lot has happened. And a lot of stuff that will need to be talked about has happened. And I think that a lot of stuff needs to be talked through that has happened um, because there's some really key talking points. Things that are unexpected and areas that I have you know, read wrong. So I'm interested to sort of deconstruct those and figure out what the fuck's going on with some of this stuff um, as we go ahead for the cup. Who would like to go first in regards to their most impressive boy from the first two nights of the New Japan Cup uh, I absolutely adored Naito and ELP. I have watched that match three times now, and I absolutely adore it. But Naito is your most impressive boy? Yeah, Naito's my most impressive boy. Um, I wasn't watching during the pandemic and everything, but I heard that Naito won a lot of matches with a schoolboy. Uh, yeah, he, he won a... If, if New Japan Cups are always roll-ups. Yeah. So I've always... I, I was genuinely fascinated if he was actually going to do it, and he did. Um, but you know, I just thought the entire match was really cool because Naito is one of those guys where he's an instigator of trying to piss someone off, but he was also going up against someone who also genuinely enjoys pissing people off. And I never actually realized too, but is ELP when he sticks the tongue out and he does the whole you know crotch drop, is that in reference to six or X Pack? He's doing like a headbanger thing where he's doing the whole like hands and well, the way that I see it when he does it. Because X-Pac or Six had so much heat, like pure go-away heat. I just kind of see it as him doing it, like, you know, in reference to that, but just sort of making it his own. But no, I thought the match was absolutely brilliant. Not as one of those guys where I love the fact that he's one of the few wrestlers I know who have a finishing move, but they have a lesser version of his finishing move before he does his main finishing move. And so when he went for the Destino, and it kind of looked a little bit off and as he does sometimes before he hits the main Destino. He does a running Destino. And a standing. Naito going into this one after that one match, he, you know, I mean, I still think it's going to be Will Ospreay and Shingo in the final, but Naito 100% after that one match has got me going, shit, Naito could be the guy. Yeah, it's always possible. Um yeah, the the interesting red that that roll up finish he's got is called the Polvo de Australia. So yes, uh, he did do it during a cup uh, last year, and he was on a run. And it was the reason he did the roll up so much in um, during the pandemic era was primarily because he figured out it was the best way to get crowd reaction because it was a genuine near fall that he could build to, and he'd bring it out of nowhere, and the crowd would pop for it. So he didn't have to do much work and he would still get an audible reaction because people would, you know, come out of nowhere. Um, so it wasn't about those high spots because the high spots with the anticipatory uh, uh, and then happened, they can't work in a, in a no uh, cheering era. So the fact that he made a callback to that is kind of interesting. I, I agree. I thought it was a really great match. I think it's maybe ELP's best match as a heavyweight thus far. Um, right. And... Yeah, I think it was um, in the context of the match. It was a, it was really competitive and really um, really interesting. It's very interesting to say the least in the way that ELP wrestled it, um, particularly because 
he basically wrestles a baby face. I, I like the fact that when I'm watching a match, sometimes you can actually see the two of them really enjoying themselves. And I saw that. I saw the two of them actually genuinely enjoying themselves while they're conducting the match. And when Naito starts taunting ELP with like his moves in the middle of the ring, and then you know ELP starts doing it back to him. Hmm. I mean, the the two of them just have this sort of chemistry that I would really like to see more sort of like fleshed out. I would love to see the two of them in a G1. Oh. I would bet money that they're going to run that back in the G1 and ELP will get his win of consequence, I'd imagine, at that point. But, yeah, I I really like, I mean, ELP's turning LIJ fans mid-match, you know, like yeah. both, you know, just both in crowd ch- chance and literal child. You are now a, you are now oh. my fan, young man. <laughs> that, that kid was awesome, man. That was such a cool moment too, particularly with the hat when he's about to throw it away and everything and then stops and puts it over the kid's head. I was like, yeah. I love how um, like Japanese kid fans are so like they're reluctant to interact with the wrestlers. If that was a West, then, you know, Western kids are like all over it, right? Flock, run to them. Just the yeah, the cultural difference is like so unsure and like a little bit scared and timid, and <laughs> ELP wins him over. Well, ultimately, I mean, he knows that ELP is about to grab his hat and throw it into row seventeen. Normally, like that's normally where this hat's about to be hoyed. But again, that ELP, not only that turn it, putting his hat on backwards is like, you know, mm. follow me, kid. Um, very nice touch. And like everything ELP is doing, trying to uh, elicit crowd chance for himself, you know, and then organically getting them later in the match. I was, I was very, um, I was very interested in that match in a, in a, in different ways. And I'm curious, Red, how, how do you see the red like the next couple of matches with Naito playing out? Like he's got Owens next. Mm-hmm. I'm assume that he's going to win. Um, what do you think is the Naito arc over the next say to get him to a semi final? I don't know. If it wasn't for the fact that Will Ospreay is there, I would be 100% saying Naito's winning. Do you think Naito will get to Will Ospreay in the semifinal? Look, it's tough because Naito is one of your top guys in the entire company, and I genuinely believe that Naito has, as I do every single year, I convince myself this is the year that Naito does it. It's always tough with Naito. It really is. I can't actually see Naito. I can see him beating Chase Owens easily, but... um. I think we can all see that. Yeah, look, I don't know. It's tough. It's always tough. I'm a Nano fan. So I'm always prepared. I ha- I'm always prepared for failure. So, but I mean, it's not a, I mean, ultimately, it's not a failure at this position. I mean, he's established coming into this, he's talked about the difficulty of the Fantastic Mania tour, the Wrestle Kingdom match, the fact that he's wrestled seven matches in eight days. He was talking about his, how tired he was. That was, his, that was his story heading into the New Japan Cup. So he's building this idea. It gave a lot of people, especially me, you know, reading the sort of the tea leaves, the story. I was like, oh, they're setting it up because he's fatigued, that maybe um, he's setting himself up for a loss, you know, because Naito almost goes one of two ways traditionally in, in cups. It's either he goes out early, like first round, or he goes deep. There's no, it's sort of feast or famine with Naito. So I was like, oh, maybe he's hinting at that. That's that fatigue element. But the fact that he's introduced it sort of protects him anyway because it's going to be a faster cup, you know, it's going to be more um, condensed and it's going to lead to a situation where he can probably play the fatigue card as an easy out. He's made it pretty clear what he who he wants to wrestle and the question is I don't think 
I don't think Naito makes it to Osprey. And I thought Osprey was like, Osprey's a hard guy to get out. And I thought maybe Naito's the one to take him out if they're going to do it because you need a big star power to take Osprey out. I think there might be someone else on that side of the bracket that might be the guy that take him out now. And I'll say this, because he's he won the match the way he did with the old school tie-up pin, he's added an extra element where it's like he is that extra level of more dangerous where he doesn't just have his speed and his mat, like his moves and everything. He now can actually be technical and pin you at any given moment. So there's another guy pretty close to Nada that does that. Sonata. Yeah. You want to try to roll with Sonata. Zach tries to roll with Sonata. To me, that's your quarterfinal. That's where I hope they're going because Nido's introduced it. And I hope upon hope that Sonata beats him. I also feel like to Nido doesn't need to make a semi. He doesn't need to make a final here. He's just had, you know, the main event with Mudo. You know what he needs to make, Dave? He needs to make another guy. Yeah. That's what he needs to make. Two, I feel like he can have his run later in the year. We're still, it's fucking March. Mm. Like, I don't see Nido as being on top all year. He doesn't need to be on top all year. No, I think I don't think he works on top all year. I don't think Nido. So I don't see. I don't, I, yeah, and I feel like in the prominent positions, like somewhere in Dominion at the top yeah. of the card, there, someone you know having a prominent spot in the G one again. Yep, that'll happen. But this is it's like you know the cup's great, but this is an opportunity to tell some other stories and raise some other guys. And and yeah, like you said, he can put another guy over and elevate. You know, big story that that can set him up for a fucking great rivalry for the rest of the year potentially. And that's where, as I said, I'll get to my disappointment. I think that'll make sense because it's a logical flow because it's related to this particular match and this particular wrestler. So and this is where I think it's interesting because this is most disappointing doesn't mean bad, right? It doesn't mean that I hated it or I understand it. Um, in the moment, my most disappointing, it was definitely my most disappointing. I think um, I was very concerned in the moment. Um, I understand what they're doing. My most disappointing boy or moment or whatever is ELP. And the reason for that is because I think ELP is fucking great. I just think he's great. I think he's neat. And I felt like I was now being deprived of getting to watch ELP heavyweight main event level matches as a face. You know, I was like, I'm going to miss out on those matches now because Nido beat him. And at the moment, in the moment, I was like, fuck. And uh, like, it was, oh man, Nido doesn't need this. That was my thinking. And that's an instant reaction, right? But it's not, it's not driven by anything other than a disappointment. Because I felt um, initially, this is why these two days are incredibly important because they recontextualize how you've been watching the previous couple of weeks and they recontextualize how we'll be watching the next couple of weeks. I had held out hope for two things. The first thing was always ELP face turn. I've been saying for a while that he's a natural face. He's sort of a, I put it this way, I think he's a generational talent, not in the way that people understand generational talents as you know, the best of their generation, but more that he's reflective of a generation. He's like the millennial, he's this idea of this apathetic hero. Like it's a very interesting, he's got, he's so unique is the best way to put it. He's a very unique customer. His cadence is odd. 
His humor is different. He's sort of sardonic. It's it's an odd combination for a pro wrestler, and it works as a baby face better than I think it works as a heel. But he's been positioned as a heel for a long time, and that's what New Japan always do. You come in as a heel. They made Robbie Eagles come in as a heel. They make everyone come in as a heel to um, establish, you know, to work as that way so they can eventually find their way to be the, the face. ELP is a, is a face. Uh, he was always a face in Rev Pro, and when I saw, we'd seen him there with um, in his pre- previous role, role with Redacted, um, they were always solid, and he was always he always played a very sympathetic heel, despite being edgy and kind of kind of the same apathetic guy, you know, the same guy, but just people people like him. And there's no other way to put it. People just like him. And he's had to work hard to make people not like him. So when he came out and he started doing all of the facisms, you know, he started to do these things that were babyface in nature and he started to bring out his babyface offense. And it's like, holy shit, if we start unlocking that, it's he's he's got he's it. He's he's a guy. He is a top level guy they can push. But the other part of me was like the, and the reason I was sort of conspiracy booking or at least backing him and hoping for him to go for a run was the 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 bullet club leadership component right and what are they doing with bullet club where's that going to go obviously that's been answered now and obviously i can get both you know i can understand where the bullet club leadership bullet club's moving and i can likely get elp face despite him not being in this uh, cup moving forward so i'm disappointed he's not in the cup but that comes with the great caveat that I'm going, probably going to get everything I wanted from him as we go along because from everything from the promos, and we'll get to it when I go into my most impressive, but everything from the promos about how he's been disappointed with what's going on backstage, him losing and calling himself the class clown and talking about how he's not leadership material and what I really like about him, and I've mentioned about the, he's a reflective of the older millennial generation, is his frustration has come from a from the belief that he is qualified, he's done everything right, he's done everything that he was supposed to do, and he's been passed up for a promotion by some other outsider that's come in and taken his spot that he believes has inherited this wealth. He's a beautiful representation of modern millennials. Like that <laughs> is life in its moment, and he's just breaking as he realizes that fuck, this is not what I signed up for. This is not that this is a you know, his his gregarious, fun loving cheating kind of guy like he just plays with the rules fast and loose that guy's not going to play in finley's club rebel club's not going to play for that and we know this it's it's becoming obvious it's it's i i like it i really like it because i feel like the the rivalry coming out of this is going to be lp finley that's where we're headed and it's it's going to be fucking great and it's going to be face elp versus vicious heel finley Sign me up. Yeah, and they're building ELP for that. So in the moment, I was very disappointed. In the, in that moment, I was like, and then the Sonata match happened, and I felt a lot better at myself um, because then I could start to see where the booking. I was like, ah, I remember I think I sent a message to you, Dave, where I was like, I was like, uh, and then uh, <laughs> it means more if not is involved in that story. So I understand that. And now it's clear what ELP's story is anyway. So ELP's not going to need the cup to tell that story, mm. um, but it's going to happen throughout the cup. I firmly believe we will see this happen throughout the cup. Um, but I don't think this happens and culminates at Scurrogenesis. The 10-year anniversary of Bullet Club is happening at Wrestling Dontaku in early May. 
that's where shit's going to hit the fan. And I think that it'll build to that. It'll build to that. But ELP, Finley, let's go. Because it's like you want to build from a fin. They're going to do a Bullet Club breakup, civil war, whatever. But it's going to be ELP's fun face throwback to the old referential meta wrestlers of the Young Bucks and the Kenny Omega days and this new vicious, you know, heelish whatever this thing where when we get into talk about Finley and that character, they're very different and then they're not going to play together. And as 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 ELP said in a way that only ELP said is Papa don't like that shit. Um it's it's pretty it's pretty clear that he's not for this place and he's not happy with the change in management, you know? Yeah. Um so yeah, disappointing, but I that's what I love about New Japan. It can disappoint me in one minute. And then you know, a day later, can can turn me around and be like, oh, "Yep, this is it. Just makes sense. I get it. I get why they're doing that. It might have been, it might have hurt in the moment. And I might have been sad in the moment, but it goes around and completely redeems itself as it tends to do. So, um, yeah, that was my. I was disappointed in the outcome. I thought the match was tremendous. You can literally tell the guy has something coming for him. Whether it's, you know, a complete face turn or, you know, all that kind of stuff. But ELP is being positioned where something big is coming for him. And I could not agree more. The whole positioning with everything with Sonata and Naito, that's a story that we have to have told out. But yeah, ELP, man, he's going to have big stuff happen this year and into next year as well. Yeah, so you called him you called him Kenny Omega Light. I saw on the chat there, Red. I was joking. He, he's a different kind of wrestler. Like, I don't... I don't see much comparison between the two of them. Um, it's just don't you? I I see an incredible amount of comparison about these two Canadians that are meta wrestlers. I get that. It's just that ELP has a different level of intensity to him that I find very engaging. It's um whereas I found Kenny to be very intense. I find ELP to be very um a bit lighter, you know, a bit more fluffier. Yeah, I guess it depends on which era of Kenny Omega you're talking about because I, I feel like there's a I just think that New Japan fans adopt certain guys. They just adopt them and they say that's that's going to be one of our guys. And they did it with Kenny and I feel like they've done, they're going to do it with ELP. I feel like he's going to become one of their guys. It just I can't justify it other than it just feels like the movement's there. You don't get Corrigan. The last time he was made of any Corrigan, he was a dastardly heel, you know, roughing up Robbie. And he comes back and the crowd is behind him. He's given them no reason to want to cheer him, but they can't help but invest in him. And it's because they see the potential of him, you know? They're chanting for him against Naito. Exactly. That's what I'm saying, like, to do that. A lot of that comes down to, um, you know, his style as a wrestler too. It's favourable, particularly in a modern context, much like Kenny Omega, to like Japanese fans, so they they want to see more of that. He's fighting being a heel. He has to fight himself to be heelish because he has to constantly up those elements to make himself unlikable because he's hard to dislike because, as you mentioned, like the thunder kiss and the stuff, like these things look incredibly impressive when he's doing top rope walks and fucking assay moonsaults while he's walking out and having a, a lunch break on the top rope. Like you see that guy in person, it is a he's an unbelievable athlete, and so it's it's hard to 
be a heel and it feels like he's been held back for so long and you can just start to see that the 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 shackles are being loosened on him and there's glimmers of hope and that was what that match gave us it that it felt like he was going to beat him at one point and, and everyone's willing it to happen because it's like yes let's push this guy and let's push him this way when he's wrestling like this mm-hmm. and i was like oh no and then you know i'm sort of shit you know shit canning the, the call and like i'm like oh they're going to book this safe fuck this you know dave's <laughs> with me there we're like fuck this it's like holy shit they're going to play it you know they're going to play it safe um but the the story is clear, I guess, now. Um, and he's found a dance partner. I think he's found a story that he's going to be yeah. that's going to allow him ultimately more than any match in the cup would to um, display himself as a baby face against what I would say is a true heel faction, and not not the heel in in the in the sort of the clownish way that he has understood it. So I think he's heading towards becoming quite a popular clown. Okay, so most impressive, I'd say, Dave, most impressive. Uh, well, I had two guys in the first two days, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't have a most disappointing, most disappointing, or however yeah. we're framing that. Yeah. Um, there was nothing. There was nothing disappointing. I like. Well, okay, so Tomohiro Ishii and Finlay. I just thought that was a great match, and he was a great kind of running partner. Perfect foil of yeah. um, you know Finlay as you know this new club with Gato. Um, What's that great? It gives you more time to talk about what you really want to talk about. I've only got one <laughs> category I want to talk about, so I'm going yeah. to do it for twice as long. Well, yeah. I'm here for it, Dave. Uh, yeah, like the only I looking at my roster of guys, the only disappointment I see is is Chase Owens, and I'm not going to be disappointed by it because I'm not expecting anything from it. No. <laughs> You'll probably be disappointed <laughs> if he does get your points. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, if he beats Naito, I'll be more dumbfounded, more dumbfounded than disappointed. But I would be disappointed because we'll miss out on a potential uh, be the Naito yeah. and Sonata. Yeah. Um, yeah, but the rest of it, I'm, I'm like, I'm keen to see all of it. So I don't really think there's going to be many cases where I'm like, mm, I'm disappointed by this result or that result because mm. I haven't picked for wins. So, mm. um, and like I picked for story, and I got the story that I wanted. You did with an with, in an unexpected way, I'd say, Dave. Not the way yeah. I expected. In a no. way that I benefited. I won't lie. I'm very happy about the way that I benefit from this. I think but I've benefited as well. You have. You've benefited in the long term. In the in the in the way we understand time as sort of a universal understanding, you are going to benefit greatly by this because the victory lap you're about to undertake, start limbering up. Yeah, I'm just not expecting to get many, if any, <laughs> during this cup, to be fair, looking at the matchups and the way things are starting to play out. Can't wait for Dave's undercard tag reviews coming week two. Uh, look, I'm, a sh- I'm a short of points in Yoshihashi versus Kyle Fletcher. <laughs> You're going to be pinning your hopes to that one boy. Yeah, that much I do. Uh, and, you know, look, after that tag match the other night, if Yoshi fucking makes a final, I'll be I'll be cheering that shit because um, main event Yoshi with the uh, post-show shenanigans. I'm all he's, for that. He's ready for Okada. He's called he's him out. Ready. He's ready for the main event. 
Um, he wants all the belts. Yoshi, all the belts. He Let's is. He is the ultimate. He wants the ultimate dragon photo with Yoshihashi. That's what he wants. <laughs> he's made that declaration clear. Oh, yeah. I love that boy. How good is he when he's saying things like, "Everyone else has had a singles belt. You know, Goro's had all these singles belts. I think I'm ready for it." It's like, oh, I think you are too, buddy. Get out there. I I can't be disappointed in Ishii because because of like how that elevates that new character in Finland. He so. did exactly as he was expected. You did not expect him to win. No. See, I with me from ELP being a disappointment component, I had an uh, there was a there was part of me that was expecting him to potentially get a win and get the push through the cup. Yeah, because that would that would further that story because you're not expecting the David Finley to play a role in that as much as it did so soon, you know. Exactly. But had that happened in reverse order, I wouldn't have been as disappointed. But in, in retrospect, I should be excited because it's only going to propel the babyface turn, you know. But as you said with the Ishii thing, you can't be disappointed. He performed his function perfectly. Like he did exactly yeah. what he's supposed to do. And I'll talk about it when I get to my most impressive, but he played an incredible role in that. Um, and yeah. I think if that's his role now, like if that's where Ishii is at in his career, that's great to help propel you know, use him and what he represents to help get guys over in certain ways. Yeah, and especially especially in that context, what he represents to Jay and now now Finley as a result of that match. It's like, yeah, and, and what that said about the shift, uh, the likely shift in this Rebel Club compared to, like, Switchblade era. You know? Yes, the difference. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely talk to that, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, as far as like best boy, I mean it's it's fucking Taichi. How can you? I mean, he's gonna be. Can he just be my best boy? Every only match? boy. My only boy. Yeah. yeah. One the one true boy. Uh, yeah, I tweeted about it. You know, it's like the New Cap New Japan Cup final happened on the opening night for me. Uh, <laughs> you know, I love story told through battle, and I and I uh, I truly believe that that's what happened there. Yeah. And um, yeah, look, the dynamic between Tai Chi and Sonata is it's a it's like a special one. Oh, it's it's special, Dave. Even maybe we're calling Chris Charlton at some point because did you hear him? He's he's like he's onto it. He's like. I don't know whether they're going to shake hands or kiss or both. I, I like. I just get that sort of sense that like this version of Tai Chi, because there is it. Like you know, he's evolved over the last couple of years. This is that there's a shift here again to further along that that arc that has been told for a while, mm. and like he's kind of like creating like kind of like equate his love language to like baptism through fire. Like mm. I will show you that I love you by beating the fucking piss out of you. You're right. That is his, I mean, as far back as the Doki match. Yeah, yeah, that's what That's what I thought about when I was watching this match. I'm like, oh, that that it's kind of like there's a similar sort of thing going on through here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that in this match, the difference was more so that he kind of, th- that sort of narrative that was happening that he, and they talked about it in commentary a little bit, but, like he sacrifices himself to to raise up Sonata. Yeah. And that sort of highlights this kinship between the two of them. And it's, Dave, it's made, I think it's made more apparent because for the first, like 
it felt like for the first 10 minutes of that match, Sonata's in peak, like, ultimate Sonata mode, which is just lethargy. Like, he's not yeah. he's not doing anything. He's not engaged. He's not active. He's not uh, up and about. It's in the like in the in the context of you know kayfabe wrestling logic, Taichi could easily beat him. Yeah, yeah, just go and pin him. Just put the yeah because he has him. He has him beaten in the middle of the ring in the first five minutes. You know? He's got he's giving nothing. He's passive, so mm-hmm. he's a he's an easy two points sitting there. But Taichi's not interested in that. He's not interested in beating him. If he's going to beat him, he's going to beat him with Sonata at his best. And like he's berating him in that match, and yeah. as Charlton's, you know, making it clear, he's basically saying, "Give up, go home, or fight me." You know, like he's challenging him. Yeah. And when that fucking switch flips for Sonata, it's like he just, he just goes straight from like neutral to fifth gear, <laughs> <laughs> and the crowd is like. Like it's this thing of like we all go to warp speed. Everyone is like, it was a flabbergasting moment. It, it was, was. Like, <gasps> yeah, because it's like holy shit. He's 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 take like Sonata's not only going. He's like fuck you, fuck this. I'm you want you want to bring it out of me. Here I come, and I'm going to bring the fight to you and take you out and fucking gets vicious. It's mm-hmm. very it, the unflappable Sonata, the cold skull. That whole. Yeah, the, the, the stoic kind of like, you know, almost at times disinterested Sonata. It suddenly Tai Chi makes him engaged. See, that's the thing. I've always thought about Sonata as a character of since his, his, his movement into New Japan. Like, and it's not that he's, a, he's not a, he's like the dramatic version of an Orange Cassidy. You know what I mean? Like, he's the apathetic wrestler. He doesn't, seem to care much about so he doesn't care to want to invest much energy in anything because he's so fucking talented he doesn't have to um and every now and again he'll show something and there'll be a glimpse but it's never been for him as a character it's never been sustained and i don't think he's ever been motivated internally like i don't think he's ever wanted to do anything for himself i think it's always been like well i've got to do you know either i'm in mudo's shadow or naito's driving or i've got to you know and it's kind of been like, or well, maybe this time, like Abushi will try to get it out of him back in 2019. Like there's been guys that have tried to get it out of him, but it's never hit like this. It's never felt like like someone cares about him enough to want to see him succeed. And it's so much so that he cares about himself. I think that's like part of the story between them two is, is like Tai Chi sees himself in Sonata. Like they have this sort of similar history and, you know, they were both kind of under maybe maybe a tyrant fucking mentor and perhaps didn't get the respect they felt they deserved. Yeah, and for and very varying ways of that. Obviously yeah, Kawada yeah. versus Tai Chi is a different dynamic to Muto versus Sonata, yeah, but yeah. both are in the shadow of someone else. And you know, Tai Chi's early earlier run in New Japan was he was pretty apathetic to a point of trying to derail you know, anything he was involved in. Multiple tournaments, yep. Yeah. And so his shift has come and, you know, he's sort of seen the error of his ways or whatever. And um, Just to sort of tangent, do you think that was a product of Suzuki? Do you think it was through Suzuki going through that 
I think it's more through Suzuki Gun than through Suzuki Solely. I think it's the, the 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 relationship and the bond that those guys had. You know, clearly we see the culmination of that at you know end of last year when they, the yeah. faction splits. Uh, but you know, the respect, the love, the, you know, the, the how they supported each other, and you know, they you know really really deep strong bonds. So he he would look at Lij and think that is so counter to what he understands to be a true group. This is what I'm thinking, right? So um he's through that he sees that so in this match he's like showing sonata a path to sort of like this uh, to authenticity to show him that you know you can come you've just you, you can come through all that but you need what am i trying to say he got through it by having support from others mm. But Sonata sort of surrounded himself in a group that is very, it's individual and they don't support each other the same way. The most support you, like I've seen recently with LIJ was that the fact that they were there at Mudo's last match. Mm. They don't they don't sort of run in or, you know, not to say well, that. Well, Nido be- doesn't believe in that. They could get they could be have people getting the shit kicked out of them four on one and they won't come in and help. It takes a lot for them to come and support. That's just Nido's belief is that you fight your own battles. Yeah. So what's the point of the faction then? Exactly, what's the, right. What's the Where's the brotherhood? Well, that's not a faction built on that, right? That's, that's the difference. So that's the difference. So... This is kind of what I feel like Taichi is trying to show Sonata is that you're not get you're not reaching your potential in that place in that that version where everyone is just looking out for themselves and not supporting each other. Mm. I feel like the best best version of you. I'm going to try to have to kind of beat it out of you first, but is to be with a group that will love and support you. Not try to not try to hold you back, and there will there you know this this that just four guys thing, that's not that's not going to be a faction with a leader. Mm-mm. That's going to be just just four guys as mm. just four guys. Mm. And I think, I mean, that's the, as you're sort of speaking to that, I'm thinking, you know, like if Naito has Sonata and Sonata's not working hard for ten minutes, Naito's pinning the bastard. <laughs> like Naito's going to to take the option to win the match to get to the point because that's what you do. You have to be interested in your progression, your destino. And he believes in the – he almost – he believes in fate as a driving motivator and so there is no need to interject into anything because ultimately we are the products of this whole grand narrative that exists and that he has this confidence in his belief. That that informs his group and Tai Chi does not believe in this. No, and I mean in you know in kayfabe, Naito doesn't like the shine not being on Naito. We saw it in that remember that best of the Super Juniors when you know Hiromu was almost at his all time peak as far as popularity to a point where he felt like he was surpassing the popularity of Naito. Yeah, and Naito's kind of like shit canning his trophy he and broke his trophy and broke it <laughs> and like so Naito. Looks out for Naito. Evil left for that reason. Like the build-up to Evil leaving, there was di- there was distance there, and it was ne- ni- never Naito reaching back to 
to sort of bring evil back into the fold. That's what caused the turn. And I think we're seeing, we're going to see the same sort of thing here, only it, it won't be Sonata breaking off to join another faction like Bullet Club that is all about the individual or all about the leader. Yeah. It'll be he'll break off to a faction where it is all about support and trying to get each individual to their most to reach their full potential. And I like I like that idea. It's not it's it's not that I think Tai Chi can still have like a high spot in the company if you decide to do that, but but recognizes that 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 Sonata is the talent. Yeah. That, and that was the, that was sort of the thing I was interested in was like we were watching it happen and it was sort of the result had sort of happened and we were like having a think about it and just sort of oh what's this what does this mean and it was almost like well if they go this direction first of all we were like holy shit they're going this direction because Kevin Kelly's starting to articulate the story and then Chris Charlton's telling the story and then I mean look I feel like. Sonata has got updated gear as well. It's subtly updated. Those two look identical. Like they came out in the exact same colors and it was like, holy shit. And and I was looking at, previously I was looking at a, a clip I'd seen from Yoshihashi talking about during Tag League saying that he believes that um, that Sonata is a different person when he's with Tai Chi and that those two should tag. Like yeah. he, this is Yoshihashi saying this in like December. You know, just sort of offhanded, classic. It's Joshi Hashi's want to do, just cutting a promo at the back. It's he gets his mic and just says whatever he fucking thinks. Uh, I think accidentally fucking dropping, you know, key storyline. Exactly. Why would why why would that come out? But he, it's it's like he. But I like that about. I've always liked that in pro wrestling about wrestlers commenting on other wrestlers that aren't linked to them, but things yeah, that yeah, they're yeah. seeing. Same way Zach shitting on Yudro Takahashi was fucking hilarious this week. Uh, you know, talking about the Bullet Club being dead, you've got Ujiro, fucking hell. Like, holy yeah. shit, Zach's not missing. Um, we'll get to that. But the the idea of those two being a team and what what I was thinking is the dynamics of that. Because, like, if Taichi's the figurehead, I, I feel like he's the, he's the heart. Like, yeah. if you think of it like the idea of that there's no leader in this sense, but he's the he's the core, he's the engine, he's the driver. He... He sets the the emotional tempo for that group. He he dictates where they move, how they move. His 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 philosophy is what informs the collective. So he's not the leader, but he's certainly the driver in that sense. But Sonata's the star, and yeah. he's the guy that they could be like, if we could get this guy in the same way that that I think Taichi always saw Zach as the star. Like, oh my god, this guy's a, a, amazing. But I was holding him back, and he was like, "Well, why? What is it that I'm holding him back for, from?" Like that was the idea. I'm holding him back to, from him going off because it felt he always felt like he was trying to carry Tai Chi. Hmm. And Zach's, it was almost like Zach's, um, his personal relationship with Tai Chi was so strong that he couldn't leave him. Like he could not until the boss told him it's time to go. Yeah. He wasn't going to be able to leave him behind to chase the heavyweight fully. You know, like that was kind of the how Tai Chi viewed it, I guess. But it feels like with Sonata and Tai Chi, it's almost like Tai Chi's recognizing Sonata. This is where you're at. I've 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 been there, right? I've been in those situations. I think he in he's learnt like Tai Chi's learnt from his relationship in Tekkers about how to build a truly equitable system. 
you know, like a a, a wrestling utopia. And yeah. the communists of New Japan Pro Wrestling are here. Like that, they are here. And and in that is the home of the guy who I think is sick and tired of following. Like I think Sonata looks like he's a brow beaten guy. Like he feels like he's just a follower. But if, if Sonata leaves LIJ, I think we could actually start seeing uh ghosts of Christmas pass sort of thing for Naito in the sense that he may start realizing that it should be more all for one and one for all, as opposed to everyone sort of go out there and do their own thing. So we'd hope he'd learn something. That's that's what I mean though. So it's sort of like I can see these multiple story arcs sort of going at the same time where it's if Sonata leaves, Naito might go on his own trajectory of like, well shit, I have all these other groups around me and these guys that I call brothers have left me. What's happening here? So we could actually see Naito go on his own arc of brotherhood, perhaps. But it, that never happened with Evil. Yeah, I don't know if that happens. Because um, he didn't seem to care about Evil. Like he's like, yeah. Oh. He got he got he got rawly screwed by Evil and didn't. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. You know what I mean? Like Hiromu cared more. Yeah, I mean, even even someone like how flippantly he let Titan join. It's like, oh yeah, well, yeah, you can you want to join, well, you can join, you kind of look the part. That's <laughs> kind of like how he entered in. Yeah, you really want to be here? Okay, cool. I don't know. I just sort of see like how I'm reading it is that Taichi's trying to show Sonata that he can come from underneath a leader that doesn't believe in him. Mm. And he wants the story of Sonata to be told on his own terms, on Sonata's terms, not dictated to him by his affiliation with LIJ. Yeah, it's come as you are. Yeah, and that you know this was this was sort of like a like a battle to draw self respect out of Sonata, and was like a recruitment statement. Yeah, which is that's the part that only Tai Chi does. There isn't anyone else that's logic, and that's his Kawadaism. He can't escape it. It's like I love, but whereas Kawada, I don't think don't think love ever entered into the conversation <laughs> with Kawada. But the idea of about demonstrating through combat and in many respects is through absolute physical exertion to the point of collapse. Like that is how Tai Chi has often. You think about when Tai Chi started to make those first statements, those first movements that Tai Chi might be a player, you know, those Ishii matches where he was just, he was spent. He was, he gave everything he had. That's how he was able to connect with those audience. Like you can't discount when Tai Chi comes out to that Korokan crowd, Dave, to hear that crowd saying, let's go Tai Chi. But only four years ago, they're saying, go home Tai Chi. That transition is incredible. And the knowledge and the understanding of that man would have about how to turn your life around in an instant, as Yoshihashi would say, of how to turn your life around, how to turn your career around through, I think, embracing like what Taichi ultimately did was he kind of embraced the fact that he start, he just started to care. He realized that if he cared about this stuff, because that was where Kawada beat the care out of him. I think he Kawada beat the love out of him. Like his love for pro wrestling was gone. You know, he was a broken man. Mm. And his brothers through Suzuki Gun showed him through their endeavor 
Zach's endeavor, Zach's drive, Zach's competitiveness to want to be the best, uh, Desperado's love for pro wrestling. Like yeah. we, no one cares more about pro wrestling, and particularly love torturing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Despy's one of the few guys that's legit willing to die for it. Like yeah. that, he's demonstrated that, and and Doki's commitment. Like when he brought Doki back in, it was almost saying like he rewarded someone whose effort was above everyone else's, whose commitment, you know, sleeping on fucking dirt in mm. wrestling in Mexico and working his way out through to get to that point. He was, he started to really embrace those who cared. And then he in, in turn cared. And so when he looks at someone like Sonata with all the talent in the world who seemingly doesn't care, yeah, yeah. it's it to him, it's an affront. Like it's a straight up dude. You got like what? And two, it's a it's a hearkening back to where he says he if this was. guy doesn't care, yeah. yeah. If he's yeah. so apathetic, if he doesn't care, he must be broken like I was. Yeah. You know, and in that he recognizes if this guy's broken like I was, I can show him the way. Like this is the way. I can build you back up to be where you need to be. And it's, it's like it, I mean, it's a totally twisted version of empathy. Like Yeah. <laughs> hundred percent is it's like I I in you I understand we we connect on this I have a shared experience and the only way I got through it, let's be real he got through it by working with Suzuki Gun by getting his ass kicked by Suzuki Gun by working in the the fucking the killers you know those guys were misfits but they're all fucking killers yeah. you know and in swimming in with sharks he swam with the sharks and he's looking at this idea of like he's looking out at lij like piranhas they're not interested in building something together like i have always felt lij has never been interested in building something together they like to join together and they feel like they have shared philosophy but sonata has never felt like he shared that philosophy the only reason he ultimately came through that space was he was a misfit his story too is like you know being rejected by japan so yeah in the same class that naito gets through because he's the He's the freak, you know. And yet the true freak. The one with the godly talent. Yeah. yeah. Has had to take the, the long way around and had to watch, ironically, Naito, you know, sort of Naito's love for Muto being this weird thing that's kind of like existed in the background, like the unspoken aspect of their relationship. Like, okay, well, you know, maybe maybe tone down a bit on that, please. You know, but like that that rejection yeah. being Sonata gets no no mention during any of that build or no, no talk of, of Muto and you know Muto doesn't speak about Sonata at all during that period. Like he's an afterthought. There's, yeah, there's no recognition of his history within that faction because there's no love in that. They no don't love. they don't care like that. And the same that's the same thing when as I said when confronted by Kawada, Taichi's realizing there's no care here. He, there never was care. And, I mean, he, he fucking hates the dude. It's great. Yeah. That idea, you can't build a relationship, Dave, based on rejection. Like, that we, I was rejected by this company and I resent this company. What Taichi is saying is I, I came to this company, right? This company offered me a home when I was, you know, I, I chose to be here. Um, but I'm, I'm constantly, I'm seen as an outsider always. Because I'm not a, a dojo boy, I came from I came from all Japan, you know. Mm. And he's like, you can be like me, and you don't have to resent the place. Instead, you can co-op the place. You know, you can turn the place in favor of us, and that's the ultimate win: is to find our love of pro wrestling in this pro wrestling context, and for that love to be reciprocated by a new Japan fan base. 
And I think when when that crowd sees Sonata fire up and get mm-hmm. angry and they fucking love him, yeah. and then you saw that carry over to the fucking next night mm-hmm. where it's like, holy yeah, shit. Yeah. It was like the biggest star in that match was Sonata, you know, like yeah. it became clear like this guy, and I'm I'm on record, I was saying in the Discord, he's he's the Ibushi spot guy. He is the the domestic baby face in waiting. That's the guy to take because he's he's ready. And can I can I just point out too, like I don't mind going through what Sonata's been through the last couple of months and all that kind of stuff just for that fire up spot in the match. Months. It's been seven years. <laughs> but when, when when Sonata in that match, when he starts, when he turns in that match, it was like a legitimate like, oh fuck, you know what I mean? Like you you've gone, you know what I mean? Like it was like that you've gone fucked up sort of thing. Like yeah, but but Taichi got exactly what he wanted. So no, Taichi's smiling. Yeah. yeah, Taichi drew out of him exactly what he wanted, mm. and that and that further like. Bonds, the the friendship, the brotherhood that is happening between the two of them that really started to blossom at the last match during the TV um, title TV title thing. You know, they mm. had that little sort of interaction at the end of that. That was pretty poignant. Now this is just like further cementing. Well, this is more than that. This was this was way more than that, and. The symbolism of Tai Chi offering the raised fist bump and Sonata declining. Shaking, yeah, the shake his hand. Shaking his hand is that can't be lost, right? Yeah. The the idea is not, I'm not, rep, this is not an LIJ acknowledgement thing. No, no, no. This is with none of that. It's I'm meeting you man to man and having a legit conversation, like a grown man chat as they're both shaking hands, having a chat. Um, and you look at them with the hands shook, like shaking hands and, and being paired across from each other, sort of the visual symmetry of that. It was like this, they just look like they just teamed up. That look, you just looked at one like, well, that's a that's a team that just joined. Um, and you know, Sonata sort of gently sort of asking the the boys to move away as he wanted to talk to Tai Chi after and to help him up and to have a conversation. And you could tell there was the you know, the reverence there and the acknowledgement that you did that, you got that. You got the best out of me, and 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 then the backstage, you know, he's he another key thing, a really key point. Sonata doesn't give the address at the end of the night. He mm. declines that to leave Taichi in the ring at the end with the boys, you know, to leave to give him the spotlight as he walks off. As almost a, another acknowledgement of who actually is the real winner of this situation, <laughs> because yeah. he might have just secured the services of one Saya Sonata, you know, like. It feels like then he goes to the back and says, you know, this one was better than the last one. The next one, like this idea of it's they're better. They're, and it's almost recognizing like I couldn't he said I couldn't see out of the 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 hole, like the dark tunnel, but now I can see it. And Tai Chi helped me see it. There's no doubt that he's he's buoyed by Tai Chi and Tai Chi's driving him. And yeah, it's it has to saying like follow your destiny. Like these two, I mean then he's just start fucking holding hands and skipping to the ring together. Like this is gonna be this is gonna be the best fucking thing ever. I'm in love with this. They just fit together and they belong together. And I'm so glad that they're going that direction. It it seems like a conscious move now. It's obviously been something that's been hinted at for a you know seven months. Um yeah. for for a long time that they those two were paired. 
Um, I mean, I don't know if we're going to get the Black Saints. God, I hope we do. But in any case, the idea... We're going to get a version of... We'll get a version of it, right? Of these outside guys. Because if you look at the just four guys at the moment, none of them are New Japan. No. And there's there's really only three active guys. I don't think Tucker's going to be... He can be the mouthpiece. Yep. And I feel like, yeah, they they've just recruited their star. It just hasn't been, you know, the paperwork hasn't been signed yet. <laughs> no. And um, it feels like that's going to come in the quarterfinal um in Corican. And if they get Naito versus Sonata in a Corican Hall, um, holy fucking shit. Because we were, we're going to get parallel dynamics between okay, the person who's supposed to be Sonata's mentor, his senpai in this context of the relationship in the LIJ, the person that's supposed to be the one to to mold and and craft and shape and support and develop him because let's not forget Sonata's first in ring action, his first moment in the New Japan Pro Wrestling ring, is helping Tetsuya Naito win the world title, win the heavyweight title. He is the reason Tetsuya Naito won his first heavyweight belt. Without Sonata cheating, by the by the way, mm. none of that for Naito. The TKO gives him the spot. So he came in giving the ultimate gesture, the ultimate... Uh, when when has it been returned? Um, exactly. At what point will that be returned? Never. Look, it, there is... Uh, looking at how it could potentially play out, and because it's Naito, it could play out that Naito beats him in that quarterfinal. I'm hoping that it doesn't play out that way. Mm. And that at the end of the match, he goes to fist bump him and Sonata rejects the fist bump. That mm. It could play out that way too. I just want Taichi to walk out to second him. Yeah, I would love Taichi to be involved here in some way, shape or form. And, you know, really, he's not on my, on my team, but my favourite follow through the rest of this Cup is going to be Sonata. He's going to be the one I'm looking out for most. What, when it happened, when that result happened, the sound I made <laughs> of like, oh, I was like, it's they're going to do it. They're going to yeah. do it. And it's like, what a great guy to have to follow because, like, I, and I talked about it. Like, maybe they won't go this way. Maybe they won't. I fucking hope they do. They should because Naito's there. But the key, the key part is, is I was like, who's going to take out Osprey? Who's going to get rid of Osprey? Sonata beat Osprey, right, for the US belt. He beat him for the US belt, the, a match that he ended up breaking his orbital in. But the key part is Osprey has eliminated uh, Sonata from the cup the last two times. So there's been a, there's a, those two have been connected in the cup. So to me, it feels like if you're going to tell the story of Sonata progressing and improving, he yeah. beats Osprey. And imagine, you know, imagine a Sonata that actually fucking cares against Osprey, like how good that would be. Seven stars, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's set up for Sonata, and I've said it forever. The guys at the Okada Shorts podcast, Ray in particular, who's going to be at Secure Genesis, has been saying he does not want Sonata there. That's the only match he does not want. And I am on record, and I continue to say it. He, If he gets him, he will be happy when he arrives because this guy is not the Sonata of the past. And if he has to go through, he has to go through Kenta, Naito, Osprey, can I trade my team to Sonata? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone. Yeah. My entire team. But the but that that progression to him to surpass all of the guys on his own, I mean, it, it may not be Osprey. It could be evil. 
You know, like yeah. it could be like yeah. it's there's these are areas of things of his past that he has to surpass to get past to get to this point. It is the when you look at the way the draws now falling, it feels to me like there's an opportunity for this guy to be made out of the cup, to be really made and to be made anew. And it it will have originated from Tai Chi. So Tai Chi has done his job because it the, the colonel that that it will be if he wins the cup. Despite going through all this stuff, he will say for ten minutes there, I was Lij lethargic, Sonata. Tai Chi turned the switch, flicked it on, and I am operating at full capacity. And since that moment, I am untouchable. I need to be with this guy because when I'm with this guy, I am me. I am truly me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also, too, if, if they become a tag team, I really hope they somehow try and incorporate the Paradise Lock. Then Tai Chi grabs the microphone and his song hits. <laughs> and he just starts singing his song while the guy's trapped in the Paradise Lock. It's red. Don't seriously, don't put it past them at this point. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, I think you'll see some weird shit if those two get together. Yeah, yeah and look, it can also can't be it can't be um, overlooked that Sonata unveiled a new move. Mm, yeah. yeah. You know, so there's growth in him, in this thing, and he used it out of the skull end. Like, this is, it, it's not just, oops, here it is a new thing. It's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not going to only see that once. No. Yeah. I've, but it was brought out again. Everything was brought out from Tai Chi. Tai Chi got Sonata to, to bubble to the surface, you know, and it was like, holy shit. If this guy can come to the surface more often, oh, man, that was a. That was a great Corican Hall main event. You know, like we knew we were in for something special. Like for New Japan freaks, it was like, we're fucking eating good. This cup's going to be great. This is just for us. When I mean, you know, it was kind of odd to see the placement of, of the two cup matches. I would have thought for sure it would be Naito and El Fantasmo as the main event. But then when that wasn't, I'm like, oh, we're it's story time, baby. <laughs> like, yep, they're on top. We're yeah. telling stories. But it also shows where New Japan sees those boys. Yeah. Right. They're main eventers. <laughs> yes. Great. That was great stuff, Dave. Very impressive boy that lost. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll go to my most impressive boy who won. Um, <laughs> what a surprise. Yeah. I, obviously, I was all prepared after night one to come in and just talk about Sonata. Um, luckily, I got to do all of that in the body of Dave, our most impressive. But the second night happens. And again, I'm this is another example of roller coaster <laughs> of like <laughs> of just emotion of wh- what's happening, destabilization. I, I'm wrong, I'm right, I'm wrong, I'm right. What the fuck's happening? Where's this story? Does this make sense? Is this is this but it all it all is good. All is good in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling because uh David Finley, my most impressive boy, who I was so pleased to get, he was the only guy that I really was hopeful to follow his story. Despite being booked, uh, I don't know if they're gonna change the cards, I assume they will. Despite being booked in multiple matches in the next couple of ma- the next couple of nights on Strong Style and uh, Strong uh, Strong Style's team on Hontai's team, despite being you know uh, sort of feeling like they've got to feel it out across the cup, they decided no 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 uh, we're going to just do it first night. Um, and David Finley is introduced with Gato, looking like he's off the set of Peaky Blinders. Yeah. Um, 
as the new, presumably, presumptive leader of Bullet Club. And he comes out looking very different, very different. And the internet uh, did what was expected, what we expected um, of them. They were going for the comparison. Uh, immediate comparison and immediate shitting yeah. on him. Uh, wish yeah, version, yeah. you know, what you like. You, you're expecting these these comparisons. It was so deliberate. I loved it. Yes, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. And entirely de- deliberate. Um, however, I, I'm like, oh, because early in the night when El Fantasmo is walking to the back and he intimates that there is backstage drama, I take to Twitter, I take to, and I say, they're doing it. Like it's happening tonight. Finley's in the semi-main. You know, people are saying, "Well, would they do that?" Well, I was like, "Well, look, Gato's going to Gato," and and I expect, I you know, whether I wanted it or not, is I I wanted Finley to craft something wholly of his own, wholly original, wholly new. That's just my preference, and I felt like his statement about him being an outsider, about being a rebel, sort of it didn't fit with the Bullet Club model. The way he attacked Jay didn't fit with the Bullet Club model. And it doesn't. Not in the Bullet Club that Jay White ran and yeah. and, has, and not the Bullet Club that's been around for the last few years. Not the Bullet Club of the elite era. It's not the Bullet Club of those eras. He doesn't fit with that at all. So I was like, oh, I was disappointed sort of inter- in the immediate. I was like, ah, oh, because I here's the thing. And it's not because of what people think of like, oh, David Finley as the leader of the Bullet Club, it's going to go David, uh, you know, AJ, Omega, Jay, Jay Finley, and like people viewing that as a massive step down. I didn't yeah. view that. I didn't nah, view that me. at all. Yeah. My fear was that the Bullet Club would drag Finley down. That was how I viewed it because where the Bullet Club has fallen and the yeah. Bullet Club has lost a lot of its identity and it's getting to the stage of it's on its last legs. And so I was concerned about that until the bell rang because. Finley, in the one match, and we've we've got the Mercedes episode where we talk about how important a match can be as instructive of a character and how we understand that character. Yeah. Finley comes out looking, I mean, he comes out looking like Zod or something. Like he's got the the, the dyed beard, dyed eyebrows. Kind of like the, the white streak through the hair. The silver streaks, right? So he's kind of got this, he's got this eerily... There's Jay White-isms to it. You know, it kind of feels like that, obviously by design. Yeah, yeah. He comes out with Gato and he's and it's like, oh, my God, here we go. People are going to shit on him. As we said, conscious. We talked about earlier about him wrestling Ishii and Ishii being the, the troublemaker for Jay was always the guy that Jay had issues with. Yeah. Jay could never really beat Ishii clean. He had to find ways to sort of cowardly beat him. So we know that there's a relationship of how Jay interacts with Ishii and how Ishii's always saw the good in Jay. He always, he always believed in Jay White. Even when Jay wanted to retire that first time, Ishii sort of encouraged him to come back and to fight him. Ishii saw the good in the man. And so I think that there was, there was a weird relationship between them. And Jay, I think, struggled to deal with the, you know, the empathetic stone pit bull, you know? Yeah. And so it's a perfect foil for the first setup because it allows us to see where Finley fits in relation to Jay. Now, purely aesthetic, you go, oh, they're trying to replicate him. They're trying to make a they're trying to make a mini switchblade. They're trying to do the same thing again. Yeah. 
he's a heel, whatever. Obviously, that's not the case. Obviously, it's not the case. But there's there's something deeper happening, something very deep happening, and I don't quite, I kind of like it, and I don't actually know exactly what it is, but it's a, it's it's kind of this weird infatuation that David Finley has with Switchblade Jay White to a point of like resentment, but like admiration, like this idea, like he he wants everything that Switchblade, like Switchblade gave him an example of what he can be of what's possible from his group. And it's like he's trying to be that but be himself and trying to it's it's there's something going on here which I think is going to be really fascinating to play out over the long term. Because I was having a chat in the Discord about this because I I love his rebel club design, his yeah. bullet club rebel club. And it's a with the misfits um yeah. inspiration. I think it was Drew who I was talking to in a Discord um has said that when Jay White went to Ring of Honor, he used to wear a Misfits label on the back of his jacket. Yeah. Oh, there's some deep fucking, there's some deep cuts in this relationship here. Everything is a conscious callback to Jay, everything. And the idea is to surpass him, right? But to say that almost as if to say like, like two brothers, right? Like two brothers where one brother they shared something so special. They shared a close bond. Like those dojo boys, they are tied together, right? And especially foreign dojo boys, you know, both coming from very different backgrounds. Either, yeah, you know, they're not, you're going through that in a foreign country together, yeah. They have a really close bond. I'd imagine they had conversations about what they wanted to be and what they wanted to do. And so is it is it not unreasonable that Jay White adopted some of Finley's ambitions and became those things? And so now Finley's been seen as someone who's replicating Jay White, but ultimately he's just trying to achieve what he always wanted to be. So there's this very deep-seated resentment, and I fucking love it because it's going to drive him. He hates what Jay White is, right? He hates it, but he wants to be it. So when he comes to out to the match, he's not Jay White because he fucking hates Jay White, and he hates all that Jay White stands for. So when he's in the match... There's moments where he's going up against a hard-headed fucking brute that's just not stopping. But right when he gets down and in the past, Gator would be like, come on, Jay, come on, Jay, and Jay would look to Gator or whatever. Finley didn't do that. Finley would get fucking angry and yeah. mean and vicious. Like that, that headbutt spot, normally that would be like Ishii would... That would drop him. That would drop him. Was Finley just went back. He, would, he was fighting fire with fire, like... It's very clear. There was no interference. There was yeah. no shenanigans. No gato fuckery, yeah. There was none of that. It was, I am a fucking killer and I'm here to kill. And I'm going to kill Jay White's legacy by proving what a Bullet Club leader should be. So he's going to fucking kill the club. He's yeah. going to cull the herd. There is no way shape around he is going to you only people that are going to survive in that club have to be people like finley the man goes back and cuts a promo and starts talking about how his dad's a failure and that he's embarrassed by his family legacy because no one's achieved shit yeah he's like yeah he's like what i mean what right does he have to criticize me he never won a he never won a world championship yeah which is a beautiful story about how cody's doing the whole thing of like i'm going to finish the story by winning the title my dad never won Finley's like, 
fuck you, old man. I'm yeah. going to prove I'm better than my whole family by winning this fucking thing that you could never do. It's perfect for him because he fucking hates the world and it's Finley versus the world. So how the fuck can he lead a club? The only way that, that would work, the only way that Rebel Club works is if he surrounds himself with people with the same individualistic ambition and fucking meanness and toughness. I mean, Juice Robinson fits. Like, Juice yeah. can go that way. They can call back that team. But this time they're like, they're like, yeah, you're a cunt. I'm a cunt. We're both in it for each other. I recognize that's what I have to do to be this thing. ELP, you're not going to cut it. The clown's not going to cut it. If Kenta, if you keep joking, you're fucking out too. Yeah, no more power walking, son. Pa- yeah, yeah, power walk your way out of here because I don't give a shit about that. You, you, you take this seriously. We're here to win. And, and I think there's something that feels like if you're going to, that's the only way narratively it makes any sense for him to want to be there. He yeah. wants to take what Jay had. And he wants to destroy it, and he wants to make it in his own image because that's what the image he believes should have been on top from the beginning. And he believes that Jay was a facsimile of him, not the other way around. And that's the driving motivator. Do you think there's a chance that he he's Bullet Club for a period where it's just him? He boots everyone out, the rebel being I, just the sole member of Bullet Club, for a period of time until he finds that'd be fucking crazy. But crazy Rebel Club, yeah, I don't. It feels like you have to be like who in there. I mean, other than other than if evil makes a turn and there's something in that space, that'll be that evil match will be very interesting. That'll be telling as mm. to where that's going. I mean, that, I mean, the even hearkening back to that sort of misfits sort of thing, he's going to be if he is recruiting anyone, it will be you know. A misfit-type character. Yeah, and even in entire design, when he came out to the ring, we all said it. He has a sort of similar sort of vibe to what Evil wears when he mm. walks out. And as yeah. I said during the draft, Evil is one of those guys who has an interesting year because he is due for some sort of brand-new character arc that's going to happen. So in my opinion, it would make perfect sense with his brand-new Raw Finley to recruit Evil back over and sort of make evil into like this absolute bruiser as well and join him as well. I could see the realm of that actually genuinely happening. Yeah, because they can't be they can't be cheating and shit. That's not gonna fly with I think with Finley. Not the it just it seems dishonorable. Not honorable, but it just seems He doesn't seem like he wants to take shortcuts. No. Yeah. Um, which is very different for a, a like a modern bullet club. Because but that's because what's motivating him is his angst against the former leader. Yeah, yeah. Like, how many of the previous guys had that level of fucking angst against the guy that was the previous head? Like, people wanted yeah. to take power as a way to move it forward because they wanted to control Jay the club. took power, but that was only because he was after Okada and yeah. it was more against Okada. It wasn't because of, you know, necessarily because of his hatred for Kenny Omega. No, no, exactly. He didn't, he didn't like Kenny Omega, but he wasn't yeah. interested in... In the I, in being that, and Kenny getting rid of um, AJ Styles was about AJ Styles being a bit of a, a failure and needing needing to recreate the Bullet Club in the image of what they wanted it to be. Mm. This is it wasn't. I want to burn what you have. Cre- it wasn't. I want to destroy your image. I don't want you to be 
Like when people talk about Jay White, they should be talking about David Finley. Like a character driven by resentment to me is is the best way to drive it because it allows him to to basically cop the next three months of what the internet's going to give him and use it. Like yeah, exactly. it's it's but he's leaning into it. I love it. I fucking love it. It's the same discussion we had in the past where it's like he was conscious, he was aware. He was prepared. He knows what people are going to say. The whole everyone knows what people are going to say about this yeah. direction. He's prepared for it. He want he wants it. He like, wants you it. You don't do the beard thing and the hair thing and like that aesthetic with the black backs. Like it kind of yeah. It, like there's you know the you know the fucking wish version or whatever. Yeah. You don't do that. He knows what that's going to garner. That's going to garner heat from Jay fans, particularly because he's kind of like. You know, there's so much talk around, you know, Jay and then, you know, did that sort of face turn thing mm. and now he's going to go to the Fed and blah, blah, blah. So, like, Jay's on, you know, the tip of the tongue for a lot of fans mm. and he's just fucking rubbing salt in the wound going, you don't, you don't get him anymore, you get fucking me. Me. Yeah. Right? And people saying, you don't deserve this thing and this idea of, like, you don't belong here, like, I'll tell you about deserving, you know, like this whole yeah. idea, like that's what I think I like that idea. And it's sort of the kernel that I'm driving the sort of the thinking around his positioning is like, as I said, people are going to compare him to Jay White and his logic is Jay White should be compared to me. I just never got the chance that Jay White got. Yeah. And the best thing about it is, is people are saying, I've seen takes people saying he's not ready. He's not, he is so ready. He's so but- ready. And the other thing about it is, is like he can fucking go. Like oh yeah, go. There isn't a, there isn't a quicker fucking heavyweight in the division. No, and he's and he's committed to working really stiff. So he's fast and stiff. He's already proven before this in last year's G one that he can beat main eventers. Yep, and he can wrestle at that level. He can wrestle Osprey at Osprey's pace for twenty minutes. Yeah, like there aren't many people that can actually do that. So, like, there's a real sign. And the other part about it was in that G1, he proved that he's at his best when he's vicious. Yeah. And he was doing that in the issue thing. He brought back the going after limbs thing and, like, like deconstructing his opponent. He's very sort of cerebral mm. in a different way to Jay. Like, it's a it's a much kind of – he's trying to hurt people. That's Jay the difference. Like, Jay was, like – he was, like, the defensive – the most effective, most efficient way to win a match with Jay. How can I win a match in the most efficient way to get out in the safest possible manner? How can I get to my end goal of being the top guy without having to exert more than what's required? Like I need to be, I need to be perfectly like you know the the idea of I'm the orchestrator. I've got everything planned. I've got these great ideas. I've got it all sorted. I know where we're going. Four steps ahead of what you're going to do. I know what you're going to do when you're going to do it. And I've got the, I've got the best counter. Yeah. And I've got a counter to your counter to your counter. Finley's like, I don't need a counter because I've got a fucking chin. And yeah. the idea is I'm going to meet you head on. That's what you said, Dave. The limb work is not to get to the, the easiest possible outcome. It is to make you suffer. Yeah. It is to make yeah. you feel pain. He is fucking nasty. And it is so refreshing because if he can craft Bullet Club in that image, they're a heel faction, not a not a cheap heat heel faction. They're a scary heel faction, a heel faction of guys who, when you're pitted up against them, is like, oh, my God. And I don't think, Dave, here's the thing. I don't think he is going to keep many people, 
and I think he's going to recruit. And you know how we talked about guys? I, I'm like guys like Gabe Kidd. Yeah, yeah. Guys like that. That's the type of people he's going to go after. Misfits, rebels, yeah. and misfits who are fucking mean, and who have who feel like they have been overlooked by people that have been getting the push ahead of them. People that have been getting something like that are in the dojo classes. The the dojo boy who is always overlooked. It could be like those type of characters. Yeah. So like, look out for guys like fucking Yo and Leo. Look out for those guys. Yeah, yeah. Because they're guys that feel that pain. They know what that feels like. So I'm saying he's he's going to go looking for mean guys. And like I said, we've been looking at what Yo has done lately. He's been mean. He's been fucking mean. And there's and wearing all black and doing stuff. I'm telling you, Rebel Club is going to recruit. And if you're looking for a Rebel, the bad child's not a bad one to look after either. So yeah. when when we're looking for big moments, don't write off Leo Rush beating fucking uh, Hiromu thanks to going fucking mean and going like Bullet Club because it's, this is a, they're going to craft a new version. And I firmly that they have to because if they don't, it's it doesn't make sense for him to lead because no, he should have just done his own outsider thing. Yeah. Because it wouldn't make sense if the club just stays the way it is. Because he would look at guys like Chase Owens and think, "What the fuck?" He would look at guys like Yujiro Takahashi and think, "What the fuck? You are yeah. not the type of characters that we need to be here." And you're the type of people you're you're jokes. And this is yeah. like from a kayfabe position. Like you're trying. Like I was a joke once under this thing. And you have not learnt your lesson. Like you are not trying. Like you are not taking this seriously. You are not pushing yourself. You are not. You don't belong here. Like when ELP said, "I'm the class clown." As soon as he said that, I was like, "Well, you're fucking gone." Yeah, you're fired. Yeah. It, it's it's also a really big comparison too when you talk about when a wrestler goes from being like the sort of jovial, fun guy to what Finley is right now. When you compare his G1 from last year, where we all basically counted him out and he was drafted very late and he made a great run, but it was particularly use of, as you guys are saying, attacking the limbs in this match that was a massive difference that I found while watching Finley in this one because it wasn't Finley of the G1 we saw last year. I think it was, though. Fit- oh, he sta- yeah, he started that with Juice in that match. That's where that, like, they went, both went after each other's fucking limbs. I think when we, look in, when we look in the past, Red, I think when we look now, knowing where he's gotten to, I think this push started with Hangman. Mm. It starts all the yeah. way back. And it starts all the way back to that moment when he came out against Hangman during a time when people aren't really talking about it because on the way to Forbidden Door and Hangman famously cut the I'm not going to get a world title match anytime soon promo after it, which overshadowed everything. But in that match, he was an afterthought, right? He That's how they positioned him a lot of the times. He's, oh, here comes Finley, the good guy that can give you a good match. And he came out yeah. and he was vicious. Like he tar- he went after he fucking got him in the he got him in the ring apron and beat the shit through him. So you were seeing there were hints of that, and then that limb work came in and started to he started to work vicious. But because we had this idea of Debbie Chan sort of overseeing it, I don't think we saw the viciousness the same way. We could justify it. We could justify it when he's wrestling Juice. We could justify him being vicious because yeah. he was Juice deserved it, right? But then what what's the excuse for going after Osprey? <laughs> Yeah, you know what I mean. So there were there were the hints to it. It's just that he, I think it was more maybe read that he he went away. You know, like he was out of sight, out of mind. Like after that G one, he just sort of disappeared. Yeah, he was gone. Yeah, he didn't do the tag lead because one, he said, "I don't want to team with anyone," which again is in, so instructive. Like I got to do yeah. this myself. So again, you're gonna so you're joining a club. 
How does that work if you don't want a team of people because you want to do it yourself? But that's what I'm saying. I don't know how it works. He has to show us. That's what I'm looking forward to is how does this character, as you have crafted it very clearly, how does he lead a club? But he, in that promo, he says, my club, like my club. And it's like a possessive. If you think about it, you know how they said Bullet Club doesn't have a leader? They've always sort of said that. That was Tama Tonga's edict. Bullet Club mm. doesn't have a leader. This is the first time a leader has come to power without Tama Tonga. Yeah. So. And Jay always spoke of my era. This is my era. It wasn't about. The club. No. This is my club. And and fuck your era, for, for one. You know, like that's, that's fucking Finley's position. So I feel like his image, as he crafts his character through this cup, is also going to be crafting the club. We're going to see how that works. And he's on this one side of the draw. I I feel like the club loses. That's my personal belief. I think all the guys go out and one and done because it it sets them up to be booted. You know, like it just sets them up. Kenta, you're out. Chase, you're out. ELP, you're out. Like, and it also, you know, it doesn't it doesn't go unnoticed that I've seen what Fale is doing in Tamashi with this Bullet Club extension, but he keeps it's Rogue Army, Rogue Army, yeah. Rogue Army. It feels like they're all being set up to be detached from Bullet Club. They're being set up to be it'll become Rogue Army as its own thing. It could become House of Torture as its own thing. You know, it could be those guys that are you, you know maybe Bay and Austin are interesting. You know, they are an interesting team. They're kind of jovial. They're kind of fun. If they're going to fit with Finley, they're going to have to be like Jay brought them in. They're going to have to be. I just think he resents everything Jay did. So anybody that Jay brought in might be in real trouble, you know, because it doesn't feel like he cares for Jay's opinions on things. And and to be fair, ELP made it clear about like he was disappointed. He actually said, you know, poor Jamie, you know, like it's he's he's sad to see Jay White go. Yeah. That sympathy is not going to be tolerated. It's not going to go over well. Yeah, and that's and that's the situation we're in. So guys, you know, there'll be he might keep guys. Guys like Ishimori might stay around. You know, because that seems like he. And in commentary, they talked about it too a lot. They're like, you know, Gato doesn't align with losers. So everybody who's hating on Finley now, well, stiff fucking tough titties because he's going to get the fucking mega push. It's happening. Gato, Gato has gone Akata J. Yeah. So prepare for this because this is he's now at Finley. Um, it's going to be a main main event level push. Uh, there's no there's no getting away from it. And I'm here for it. Let's yeah, it. but I mean, if you want to get Sonata over as the baby face, an option is Finley mm. in the main event in the final. You know, if that's the direction you want to go, you know. Um, I mean, me, me personally, I just really want to see if anything happens with Evil. I just really want to see if Evil comes over and joins. That's that's the probably the storyline that I'm really kind of most interested in seeing. That moment last night uh, when he, you know, the end of the Evil match when he sort of had Ren Narita on the outside of the ring and his foot on Narita's head, it was actually a really beautifully beautifully shot and i love the look of that arena and the lighting in there was really cool like it gave me full wcw vibes at that that place mm, nice mid-90s wcw yeah yeah it had a cool cool kind of aesthetic and um you know that that was a that was a mean and nasty moment I'm like i haven't really seen that side of evil i mean if if it exists and it hasn't existed for a while mm. 
I thought, oh, that's kind of curious. Fucking by the end of the night, there's a new leader of Bullet Club in that same vein. Mm. The boys are talking. Finley comes out with with the sort of uh, shoulder pads reminiscent of Evil's kind of like because Evil still wears the the shredder pads. Like, yeah. They got the guns on them, like it's mm. a still Bullet Club kind of aesthetic. That could be interesting. I hope they do something because um, I'm, I'm assuming you probably will get to read when you talk about your most disappointing. I don't have one. Well, the Udro factor to me um, is one of my guys, but that match with Shoto Umino is, if you evil can perhaps align with uh, Finley, if it means that uh, Udro goes away, <laughs> then I will be very, uh, I'll be very happy about that. I mean, Yudro, like, he might have been told that because he was just that fucking disinterested. <laughs> he was slower than ever. He was the slowest he's ever been. I felt so yeah. bad for Shota Umino, who clearly cared about this against a family friend, um, and it didn't look like Yudro cared uh, one bit about, you know, Yudro should have wrestled in a shirt. Um, I don't like hating on a guy in this sense, but Yudro needs to be a, he needs to get out of tournaments. They can't put him in ter- in singles tournaments anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because one, it just it, it's a liability at this point. Yeah, it's just not becoming of the standard of what New Japan Pro Wrestling is. I understand him being a dojo boy, and they'll always be loyal to those guys. But Shota Umino is not in a position to be able to carry a match yet. And let alone carry a bag of sand. Like at that yeah. point, it was unfair. And he's, I almost was like, he's, is he being set up to fail? Like, well, who, what did he do? Is he do, got some heat backstage? Like, what has he done? Because yeah. that's an incredibly tough situation to be put in. Um, thank God it's like immediately overshadowed by the Finley thing that happens and no one's going to talk about it. But, you know, that, I mean, I, I think it's a fairly, I, I'll put down it's a fairly safe bet. There won't be a worse um, match in the cup. You know, I think that that's that's going to establish it pretty pretty much there, um, and poor shooter. You know, like he's not he's not at the level. I don't think shooter's at the level where he can ha- he can't carry the match. He can't build the match. It's not oh, yeah. he's supposed to be in there with veterans who can help teach him as he's coming back from his excursion. And to be in there with Udro, who quite frankly looked like he Udro had spent a month off and looked like he had a month off. I just think, man, it's, it's at the point now where we just we. I understand what they were trying to do. I get the connection, and I get the idea of helping him against a heel to build simpy for him. I get that. It's like they brought out Peter again to distract you from how bad you drove. <laughs> that's a really disappointing outcome. I thought it was the biggest sort of disappointment. Like, man, that's just ugh. Like, I, mm. I just think we're we're talking about the. New Japan being back and we're getting to the point where the, the, the field is really strong and the guys are really strong and there's evidence and it's like, okay, we can't wait to get Yuya and Yoda and guys back soon because we need to start to cycle out some of these guys. Yes, Yudro can have his role as a pin eater in a trio's tag and he can he can yeah, yeah. do that for a certain faction if it's going to be house torch or whatever. Okay, do that. But he has no place being in a singles tournament. Not none. Simple as that. Like I was just like I've said that, I've been saying that about him for the G one as well. It's like why why is he here? I mean, you know. But Dave, like at least in the G one, at least in the thing, it was like okay, he's going to make the math work, and he's going to be, and like he turned up with some monicum of like conditioning or like he he looked yeah. honestly like he just looked 
done. He looked cooked. There's no way to put it. He looked fried. So I was really disappointed in that um, in that match and that performance and everything about it. I was like, especially because we had kind of, as you mentioned, that evil hint. I was like, ooh, there's some hints here with evil and what's going to happen. And I was like, maybe there's a move in House of Torture. It's like, well, yeah. And and I, I think it doesn't go without saying, oh, maybe Zack Sabre Jr. saw him backstage or whatever. Because Zach fucking ripped into him, like he yeah. ripped into him in the in the um the press conference saying about you know ELP and those guys talking about Bullet Club saying a Bullet Club still a thing? It's it's still a thing. Like he's like this thing was he's like this thing was outdated twenty years ago, and then he's like you can't really be serious if you have got a guy like Yudro Takahashi your team. Jesus Christ! Like it's telling, isn't it? He yeah. buried him. He fucking yeah. buried him. So. It's pretty telling that he felt like he was happy enough to have a go, and I think that's, I think you know, he's wrestling Shota Umino next, um, and I I can guarantee you he's going to give Shota he's going to do what Yudro didn't, um, mm. and Shota's going to look a million times better, like Shota has looked in his matches with Osprey, because Z- ZSJ will help him, um, and I think ultimately if your role, what's your role, Yudro, to get a little bit of heat on the guy, but you have got to help the kid, yeah. Did him no favors, so I it was like I said, it yeah, was no a, favors with an inbuilt fucking real story as well. Like, yeah, with a and sh- fucking showed us bowing to him at the end of it. I was like, don't you bow, don't you dare, yeah. don't don't give that, don't because I, I said I don't want to be overly negative, but ultimately you have to. And when you're seeing guys giving everything, like you've seen the commitment that certain guys are giving, and then you look at a guy and like, what are you doing, man? Um. It's it's the position of New Japan that I dislike the most is their their loyalty. They are loyal to a fault, and I think that that match was a demonstration of the biggest faults that they have in relation to their loyalty because it was. Faulty. There was no disappointment at all for me. I, I love Shooter and how he, you know, he, the way he wrestled, and <clears throat> I find it interesting when I look at Shooter too because I was watching that match and I was thinking to myself. Is Shooter on a similar arc to what Naito was when Naito was young in the sense that he's been propelled in this sort of like direction and eventually will we get to a point where the fans might have a bit of backlash going, you know, you're not ready, you're not there. And then we have Ren Narita who's sort of like ground up organic. And I just was sort of like watching that match a bit, watching the crowd reaction to Shooter. Uh, and Yo, lack of that was the, well, that was the one thing that I, I was just wondering, like, will we get to a point with Shooter where the crowd starts to sort of like waver with their love for him and will they start turning on him? Because that's kind of like what I saw a bit was the flash, the, the bright, the high spots, the, you know, the come on, yeah, come on, yeah, the fire up boys sort of stuff. And I just... I mean, I wasn't watching Naito when he had his first run when the crowd did start turning on him. So I'm just kind of like watching this parallel between Ren and Shooter. And it just seems like Ren, they're doing this thing where it's like this, it does feel organic where they are letting him sort of fail and and sort of like, you know, go about these matches and not have much shine put on him. But Shooter, I mean, he's been put on the front of New Japan. He's mm. been you know, promoted in these big matches with Naito uh, and all this kind of stuff. And I, I just, I'm wondering what they're doing with Shooter in terms of like, 
I mean, I had I had thought around those spaces in relation. I've seen a lot of discourse around that in terms of um, if you're getting the Naito push and he's going to fail, like being paired with Naito is sort of the idea that he failed in that big spot. Um, But he's not as declarative and he hasn't been as, he's, you know, that hasn't really been the element so far. I feel like he's he's emblematic of what I think the next generation of the Young Lions class is, is the idea that they are all mimicking someone. Mm. Um, and that's an interesting aspect. There's something in the mimicry. So that's the thing to follow. If Ren's trying to be Shibata, uh, Shooter is trying to be Tanahashi Naito Mox, like he's trying to be a mashup. He, they're all trapped by their influences. I, I actually don't think that they those things are necessarily going to be shred from them until that whole class has returned and there's feuds between, like, the class. Yeah, to, to, and to be the, the same way that that class had famously, the famous thing about that class was how competitive they were amongst one another. Mm-hmm. So to be given the, to be, get the top spot. So you're probably right. And and perhaps each guy will adopt something of someone's some influence they have got, um, and they have to shred those things in order to find themselves. I mean, well, we talked about it with the Kiyomiya thing. This this idea of a sort of an, a, a sort of a archetypal Japanese pro wrestling um, story of your influences. Where do your influences end and you begin? You know, and that kind of showed us that those influences have been hit on really thick. And most people keep saying, oh, I, you know, it won't really hit until he adopt, you know, gets rid of the moxism or gets rid of these things until he finds himself. Um, and, yeah, I think that's that's part of that story. Um, whereas Naito, yes, he was introduced, he had influences, but he was his, what, what sort of inhibited his growth was his sort of dr- desire to be the guy despite, you know, he wanted to be the guy. And it feels like maybe, maybe you can see those from the early stages of Shooter's push that he's been elevated to that thing. But it's like he's he's kind of been given the star excursion returnee spot. Guys have been given the star pushes on their return. I'm not sure with Shota. I, all I can say is I don't think he's ready yet. I think he's he's been, mm. and they haven't really helped him out. So hopefully the ZSJ stuff will help him out because... He needs some help to better articulate that character or or his ambition. Like, what what does he really care about other than beating Naito? Hmm. Yeah, I uh, I don't think he's ready for uh, like a cup run either. Again, it's hard because I don't want to judge him off the back of a Yudro Takahashi match. You know, like it just yeah, it just even the way he's. He didn't hit in that Naito match. The, I don't think the character's hitting the way. No. Same way. They they sort of seem to be leaning into is that he's not ready. Yeah, but I think it's a it's a good and it's a good story a, beat to lean into because yeah. it's he can go accurate. He can do other things within the space of New Japan to become ready. Um, mm. I don't think you want to push him too hard, too fast because. If he's not ready, then there's like you know uh, you can end up sort of rejected as a result. You can you can kill and the then, character, and then, yeah. and then the fight the fight back is a 
much longer, more drawn out process than and and not guaranteed. Eventually, need to be and not guaranteed. Not guaranteed. So, and he's a and he's a blue chip prospect. It would be a yeah, risk yeah. to do it. Play in a safe space in that in that mid Carter area for a while, um, even you know in a tag or whatever. And here's the thing: New Japan don't need. There's not a dirt. They don't need a lot of new main eventers. They ah. do need a mid card. Yeah, they do because they're gonna have guys that have to step up, and they're gonna have to they're gonna have to replenish that mid card because they're gonna have to have someone that's gonna take Jay White's spot. They're gonna have to someone to take Kodobushi's spot. So they're gonna have to take two guys from ostensibly the mid card to move them up. Yeah, and you've got guys that are getting older. If Tanahashi getting older, Naito getting older, they need to replenish that spot. They're not gonna replenish it necessarily with a twenty five year old. They're gonna replenish it with the thirty five and forty year olds that are sitting there waiting. They've been waiting for five or ten years. Yeah. So I think that there's a space for him to go to that spot. It's just going to be, I I don't think the mega push is necessarily on now. I thought that coming in they might go Naito shooter. They they still may they still may do it, yeah, yeah. but he is going to have to really. He looks great. He's in great nick, but he's really going to have to put the boots on because he's, and it's not it's no fault of his own. He's he's still young, and to be positioned as he is as the as the the fan, the baby, the the kids love him and all that sort of stuff. Like that's a that's a really like we know how that works. Like it doesn't culturally it's there's still those same issues. Like, yes, the kids and the girls love him. However, the rest of the New Japan audience has to be convinced of his capacity. So it's a long for me, it's a longer story. You know, it's a longer story for him to get there because those kids are gonna grow with him. And he's also, you know, to go to that next level, he's also got to be able to wrestle high-quality matches off his own bat, so to speak, not just off the back of great veterans. He's got to be able to start dragging great matches out of other guys as well, you know. I mean, again, I don't expect it out of huge, but I think that it needed to be. There wasn't enough indication, and he got like he got lost in the Nido match, and in that match it was just flat. That's just the reality. He's just not at that level. That he can create the offense, he create the motion, create the energy, um, and he's got to build that back up. He was so good and as a young lion of engaging the audience. He, those things aren't going to go. He's just got to give them a reason to mm-hmm. invest in him. Shooter's one of those guys where he has the charisma and the energy that I really like, and I genuinely believe that he has the the thing that I really look forward to in a young wrestler. Like he has the hair, the head, the look. The he's got it all. He's got, yeah, he's got yeah. everything oh, he'll be fine. I just think be fine. now's not the time. Uh, you know, I think there's some other really compelling shit you can do with him that's not the main event, and that's fine. That's okay. He's got heaps of time. Yep. Either he's going to beat Zack Sabre Jr., which is possible, could get a TV title spot, which is a good spot for him. It gives him yeah. less than get him in a few of Zack, get him under 10-minute matches, get him in that kind of fast-paced, you know, build out that way. Um, because I think if he makes his way and Finley ends up getting to that point, he's going to get fucking. He can be a really key part for Finley because that story needs to be told. And if you want to create generational rivals, Finley's still fucking young. That's the thing about Finley is he's not an old man. So uh, and you want to build that relationship between him and the crowd and to build that simpy. Finley's the guy for that. So I also too like I also feel like quality in ring. Finley is ahead of where Shooter is at the same time. Finley's been great for fucking 
whole time since yeah. since he was fucking wrestling Jay in Corrigan's like yeah. as young boys that like Finley Finley's in ring has never been questioned. It was his connection with the audience and his understanding of his character that had more than care than just that. And so he's figured that part out now. Shooter figured out the care and connection with audience pretty pretty early yeah. as a young boy. <laughs> that was like his first thing was like he got that. He just lacked the con- the connect the thing that 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 all wrestlers have to get to is the connection between their offense, their moves, their actions, and their character, and there being no disconnect. Currently, there's a real there's a bit of a disconnect between what is Shooter trying to achieve and how he's working. So when he fires up and he's like, "Yeah, I'm coming back," yeah, the crowd's not with him. You know, in the same way that the crowd we would be with a Yoshihashi. So he's it's it's hurting what he used to be great at. Is there just when he was a young lion, it was a very simple process, win this match. But New Japan Pro Wrestling and the way you connect with the audience is not just about winning this one match. It's about what's your progression, where are you going? And currently, he seems a bit lost in that where people don't know where to place him and where he's going to fit. Everything about him feels a bit confused too. Like yeah. three, he's got three fucking names and... It's all a bit confusing. And so half there's no... She's gear, half Dragon Mox's jacket around. He's got like Naito's fucking suit on. Like, yeah, it's all a bit confusing and and which is like, ironic, Dave, because remember that's what we used to joke about. David Finley was like exactly. he had all yeah, the yeah. gimmicks. He couldn't figure out. It's like mid nineties DDP. He can't quite figure out what he wants to be, and showed us in that space right now. And it's and it's hard, and it leads to challenge. And I think that it's going to require help from a, a rivalry. He's going to need a rival, and I don't know if not is the rival to get it out of him. So I'm hopeful that maybe. Maybe it's Zach. Maybe Zach is the rival. Or maybe it's Finley. It's got to be someone that's going to help him to get to that point. Yeah, maybe it is fucking Narita and Suj and Yuya. Well, interestingly enough, he is tagging with Narita against Okada and Tanahashi on this tour. Yeah, There will be a tag match with those two together. And that's interesting because that's like a cross-faction kind of like they're intra-faction because Strong Style is kind of seen as being like Hontai adjacent. Yeah. But that will be instructive because it'll be like, all right, these two boys are together. Maybe Narita can help him bring a bit of clarity with Narita's minimalism and focus on singularity and like very singular focus. Maybe he can refine Shooter's uh, you know, eccentricities. That'll be next week, I think. Well, it's going to be fun. It's something like literally we've only had two nights of it so far. And like, like I said, I had very little... It was hard to say what disappointed me the most because, uh, yeah, it's we got so much storyline already going up to two nights. So, yeah, cannot wait what's about to come because, as I said, it's going to be Will Ospreay and Shingo in the final, and I can't wait to see how we get there. Um, but yes, as as Red mentioned, a very good, very good first two nights New Japan Cup. Um, there's a lot of stuff happening. There's a lot of stuff to follow. I think we, hopefully, Dave, you get someone, someone gets out of the first round um, as we move forward. But the stories are compelling, and yeah, I can't wait to see um, yeah where we head with the key uh, stories because it looks like our fear was that we're going to get safe booking. That fear is still a, that's still available, still on the board, it's still possible. But I think that the David Finley thing, despite what people might think, as being safe. For me, it's it it feels like there's potential that although it's on the surface, it looks like it's one thing. It feels like under the surface, we're going to get something very different. And so I'm looking forward to you know delving beneath the surface as we go through the rest of the cup. 
that's a, mm-hmm. it feels like it's going to be a good one. I feel like something big is coming. Well, either way, we're going to see one tag team break up, one tag team form, a new faction happen, one faction break up. You, you, you're pushing this tag team dissension angle, eh, right? Yeah, I'm definitely pushing that. I see one tag team is breaking up. Goto is going to join Finley. <laughs> Yoshihashi is going to join Finley. The mole. Yoshi, Yoshi is going to join Finley and start to actually kick the ass of people. Oh, he, he kicked some ass the other night. Oh, didn't he what? He was star of that match. I feel so bad because it's not a cup match, but if I had to pick like most impressive, I know, I know. like holy fuck, that those match, boys. That, that match stole the show. That match, I mean, there was a, it was a big show, but that match was like, I was doing the get up Yoshi's. I was like, mm. get up Yoshi, come on Yoshi. Yoshi didn't. Yoshi didn't even fucking need him, Red. No, he, he, did he ever go? Did he ever go down? Because he is. <laughs> he's just become this guy, like. The that I love that team. I just think that they have found a way to use Yoshihashi's the foibles of Yoshihashi. All of the things that have in the past been his his downfall are now his strengths. Like his trust in Goto, like that spot yeah. where he grabs and holds and just hangs onto it. Yeah, yeah. In the past, he would be so concerned and he'd be so nervous, but no, he knows Goto has his back. Like those two boys. Cool. Yeah, it's cool. They, those two boys are. Like they're the they're a fucking team. The fact the PWI did the 100 tag teams last year and didn't include Bishamon, I'm telling you, next time, what the fuck? It That's is what it's what the fuck. It's a district, but next time they might be fucking number one. Like they're going to keep winning. Like I am legitimately excited about them wrestling fucking uh, Aussie Open. I'm yeah. legitimately like this is going to be great. Look, this is just music to my ears because I'm I'm glad you two have finally joined the train with me because uh no 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 it was never it was never not it was never not appreciating Bishamon that was never that was never the narrative we were on I'm just glad you guys have joined me over here on the Bishamon Island but it is interesting it is interesting though they're very old fashioned tag team in the way that they have an incredible array of tag team offense they they work basic old fashioned tag team psychology. Which you would never expect in that logic that Yoshihashi would be the hot tag, but like that's how they build it. They build it up where Yoshihashi comes in, gets early simpy, goes out. Goto comes in, ass kicks, builds the match. Hot tags to Yoshihashi to return for the fire up spots, and then like it's fucking great. It's just it works. They've figured out the dynamic, and I think I sent a message to you, Dave, saying like it felt like the moment during the pandemic was like when Goto accepted that. Maybe it's maybe his run as a singles guy might be over and he like committed to this team. It felt like they went to the next gear. It was like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna try to craft something. Like during the pandemic, they did a great job with trios belt fishy. They really worked at that. But it wasn't until they got the new look and they got the Bishamon, they got the matching gear. Like all of these things are they, that's they're a tag team. They're not it's not Goto and Yoshihashi, it's Bishamon. They are a, they're a team. And they fucking rock. And, you know, they could have, a, like, a really prominent position in New Japan for another fucking 10 years as a tag team if they want to. As a legit, good, old-fashioned, heavyweight tag team. Yeah. That they can still do G1s. They can still, yeah. like, they can still, because they're fucking great. They can still do the cup. Because everyone's going to be like, yeah, they're fucking great. But they spend more time as a team and, and then you can have special attractions like that match and you can allow... Okada and Tanahashi to, you know, just fucking do their mastery. Yeah. 
and you can allow Yoshihashi to be able to fucking get out of his pent up frustration against both of those guys, you know. <laughs> All these years, like the guy he wants to be and the guy that took his spot. Yeah, and then Yoshihashi getting the confidence to proclaim, you know, Okada, you know, I think I'm ready to go. I think I'm ready, and he fucking yes, yeah. he just beat them. Like, of course you are ready, Yo. You just fucking pin Tanashi. And you beat the piss out of Okada. You're ready. Yeah, that'd be a fucking banger of a match, right? Like yeah. And so if you're if you're fucking Kyle Fletcher looking at her, you're like, oh, okay, shit, boys. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna work out for me. Yeah. Work, we're gonna get through both of them. And if he does, after yeah. what just yeah. happened, story. Yeah. if he does, that's a huge story. So that's the that's the thing. I, I mean, I, to be fair, Dave, I got a little nervous for you because, like, um, well, yeah, me too. I was like, but luckily you got Yoshihashi because. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the breakout star, it'll be him. And let's be real, Dave. Let's be real. If we're booking Finley to go through, just for thing, I tell you what, if you're gonna de- if you're gonna beat someone into submission to draw the most amount of sympathy humanly possible, yeah, Yoshihashi is a good fucking bet because nobody, nobody can draw the sympathy from the crowd. The little engine that couldn't has fucking made it. It is so He's driving that fucking engine now. Yeah. He is a fucking <laughs> steam engine. The goat is here. I am fucking here for it. It was Japanese fucking electric train. The bullet train, bud. The bullet yeah. train Yoshihashi is here, baby, to take down the fucking rebel club. Don't worry. The goat's in charge. He's driving. I cannot wait. It's what yeah, it was a it was an incredible tag team main event. And I think it's like legitimately it's gonna be up there for tag team match of the year. It was that good. Yeah, yeah. It was so it was- good. Right. It, it, it was like a loose explosion of the heart. Yeah, because there was no, there was no, um, it was just wrestling. There was nothing else to it. It was just. Yeah. And there's no, there's, you know, we've become, become so accustomed to over the years. There's like, oh, poor Yoshi moments. Like they, they, that's gone. Yeah. That's poor. No, nah, there's no more poor Yoshi. It is like, let's fucking go, Yoshi. And he finally figured out. They finally, these lads finally figured it out. They, they they cracked it. We used to say like they were the they were this sort of magic thing where they didn't have any story or driving motivation. They were just these great wrestlers that would put on great matches. No, no, Yoshihashi, when Okada did this, he gave Yoshihashi an excuse to be able to the law was coming in, like he could tell story. He he was born for this. He was made for this. It might be the most awkward execution of it, and he may then repeat it constantly after letting yeah. everyone know. Like when he's about to cut a promo, like he he lowers everyone's expectations for how bad <laughs> this is about to be. Like prepares everyone, like, you know, I'm not the greatest at this, but you know, I do this thing. And it just is so endearing. It just yeah, makes yeah. him the most endearing guy. Endearing and awkward. It's a great, uh, yeah. But it, great but company. only if it's if it's accompanied by ass kicking. When it's accompanied yeah, yeah. by awkward in the ring, it's <laughs> you know. Well, um, I mean, the, the way I, I felt when I was watching that match was I was like watching the progression of a buddy cop film. I was just getting that sort of like uh, you know I'm too old for this shit, and it's like no, come on, we can do this. <laughs> We're the same age. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, you're right. Like they have a really great dynamic, and it's a dynamic built on. I think it was initially built on Goto feeling sorry for Yoshihashi and help and wanting to help him get to a next level. And now it's built on mutual respect of both guys recognize, no, no, we're we're equally good, and you deserve this. I I wanted to raise you up, but no, you're ready. You you're ready to go, and yeah. it kind of makes me think that that would make sense story wise that Yoshihashi would. I, I mean, I got him in the G1 last year and I really kind of, I was a bit, oh, yeah, Yoshihashi. And that, he had a 
spongy one. Like he was great to follow. I was, you know, he, he kind of fell to me because of that, the way that block plays out yeah. in that, in this draft, but like there is no longer any like Yoshi regret. It is all, no. it is, it is all love. And, and, you know, I'm a, I'm happy to follow the career of Yoshi and he's become kind of like a stable pick for me now. Yeah. You know what you're going to get with him? Yeah. Like he's kind of like Ishii. You know what I mean? Like yeah, they're yeah. going to be, it's kind of like he's got that kind of consistency. Hey, if he starts now. getting like Ishii fucking Meltzer stuff. <laughs> oh my God. If Yoshinashi <laughs> becomes Meltzer's new guy, this would be the greatest thing that happened to the internet. I don't know how Twitter would not deal. But look, at the end of the day, I would say of, of all the people that benefited from their commitment and demonstration of effort throughout the pandemic, Yoshihashi probably comes out number one of the guy that that went into the pandemic as one thing and has come out of it something completely different. I think he has gotten the most growth through that period because it was a time when the crowds couldn't do a lot of stuff and there was it was tougher. And someone that demonstrated pure heart and just wanted to fight for the to prove that he could get somewhere and could demonstrate something in the toughest of circumstances when everything's going right. He was the glimmer of hope. He was like this thing that projected something as that anything is possible. It might be shit right now, but you're you're not your circumstance. You can overcome this. That was what Yoshihashi was during that thing. And as a result, he has built so much equity with that yeah. crowd that you heard it. They are like when that that crowd went fucking molten. Like it was oh, they, they were nuts because they care so much about those guys they care about them so when they were pitted like defend new japan's honor they're the right guys to do it because they demonstrated a commitment to new japan when everyone else was in a you know were not at that level so yeah 100 percent yoshihashi deserves a push he deserves a spot whether he gets it or not i don't know it's ironic that we always used to make reference to the uh yoshihashi girl and now we are all the yeah. yoshihashi girl She's fucking, her stonks have come in. She is cashing oh, yeah. in big time. She's fucking cashing in like the Yoshihashi NFT series. <laughs> she sold, she sold high. Yeah. So she's done well. <laughs> she bought fucking death blow. <laughs> she bought, yeah, yeah, she bought penny stocks. They were, they were, when she, when she invested, honestly, that, that girl deserves a medal. She deserves, I think we need to, we need to study her. We need to understand her foresight, what she saw. And we need to figure out who she's a fan of now because get on that fucking train. Whoever she's cheering <laughs> on now, that guy's going to be great. <laughs>